Where they were poor in Mombella, they were really strong at Ellis Park. So they looked at what South Africa did, they broke it down, they analysed it, and I've got a feeling that Jill played a pretty big hand in getting them to that point. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Half past seven Friday morning. Very welcome along to OTBAM. Owen, good morning to you. Welcome back, Adrian. Thanks very much, Colin. Good morning to you. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Adrian Barry is back. How do you do this? Six weeks How away. Do you do this again? Tap, tap, tap. Wow. Um, wow, wow, wow. How's it going? All good? Oh, fantastic now time, that you're back. Uh, since, we've, since I've been away, no great developments, Colin. All has been, all has been quiet. All has been quiet. Been no. what, ha- what happened, Adrian? Why did you leave? Um, I left because I preempted you were leaving and I thought, well, I better get a... Better get a bit of a break before this guy leaves because you know, the people, audience can't take that sort of a double hit. People genuinely thought you were in a ditch in Mullingar after the Talton Cup win. Well, is that the truth? The, <sighs> given the conversation last week, was it? A ditch in Mullingar was probably the, pre- the preferred option from what yourself and um, yourself and Jared have been suggesting. But, um, yeah. Uh, no, no, I watched, you know, I watched the Talton Cup. Unfortunately, from far, I mean, it would have been... Um, it would have been amazing. I hadn't planned my, my year around the Talton Cup in the same way that the elitists of, um, you know, the elite fans of the country, of the elite teams on, <laughs> uh, would plan their, you know, mm. plan their time. For the but there was genuine worry in the last two weeks, I would say. There's been a few comments coming in, like, you know, the likes of Shifty Lad, Bobby Dwyer, mm. you know, Richard Redbolster, like, what's happening here on Friday? No, I would say the show was very good. Took them, took them like <laughs> six the weeks. Show. Took them six weeks. I would say the show was very good. Was <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah, but yeah. I, have a, I have a welcome back stat for you, okay, right, if yeah. you like. Mm-hmm. Do you know that uh, Mario Balotelli's only assist for Manchester City was that pass for the Sergio Aguero goal? <laughs> when you said welcome back stat, I was How like, is it? I mean, be, I've uh, heard of some shoe horns. This, time, that absolutely, that, that really you know worked what? with the flow of the conversation. I thought, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that uh, stat the other day, and I was like, geez, I need to say this. I was thinking, when's the when's a good time to say it? But I was, you know, for a guy with so much talent, that was his only assist. Isn't that quite well, remarkable? It's great to be back. I must say, that's, uh, I think that's. You know, I thought this was some sort of a me returning related goal scoring machine. To I, I did want to ask, where where were you? Like, tell us. Well, sure, you know what it was because you no, know where me you when we you were. Say it as if like, we but don't speak the at audience, all. No, but the, the audience, know the audience also there. knows because you outed me. Uh, I was outed a couple of times when I was away. You know, you're trying to keep the head down. I draw too much attention to things, and then you know, I, I Colm said, Colm desperately called me on Friday, one Thursday, and was like, "Can Desperate. you please do the uh, uh, what were they called, the quick picks?" Yeah, what were they like, called? I'd, I'd really rather not. You, you lived in like, you lived in France it? for five weeks. How, yeah. Like, what was that like? Yeah, uh, it was great. Yeah, it was amazing. And obviously, you can tell I got ten extra freckles since I was yeah, out there. Um, they can the, all join into in one. The heat wave. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. it was incredible. Yeah, it was really nice, beautiful. What was the best part about it? Uh, family time. Yeah. Oh. Nice. That must be nice. I'm sorry for such a genuine answer, yeah, but that's... Uh, do with that. <laughs> There's no There's nothing you can do with that. There's no to do with that. I've no, uh, nice. no Balotelli stat that can back that up. Anyway, look, Wine, let's, cheese. let's not bury the lead here. Uh, <laughs> sorry, someone said last week oh, yeah. that they thought you got crushed by a giant wheel of cheese. <laughs> I think it was Richard Redbolt. Uh, well, that would have been that was a, great not a million miles away oh, from the yeah. truth. But the, the, was, the wine and cheese was good. The village we were in, there was a little... Uh, I actually, I often... I meant to take a photograph and send it on, but I just at the corner where, uh, at the end of the street where we were, there was a little uh, wine and cheese shop. Nice. I, I For the first two weeks I was there, I was like, I'm just not going to go in because I knew that once I sort of breached... I'd be a, a regular visitor and uh, I wasn't disappointed when I didn't. The two lads who were running it were unbelievable crack and the stuff they had to sell was also incredible. So oh, yeah? There we go. Yeah. Um, you got good French? No. Okay. So I worked in Disneyland for a summer, so I'm fluent. Really? You know, that's, yeah. What did you do in Disneyland? I was uh, Mickey Mouse. What? You were not? Yeah. 
Have we not discussed? I was a Mickey Mouse. I did work in Disneyland for summer, though, and a uh, merchandise shop. Do you speak a bit of French? Small about you. Anyway, um, we're burying the lead here. Happy we're Friday, anyway. into our opportunity to penultimately give Owen a sign-off. I mean, I just can't believe it. It's, it's going to be like the longest, it is. It's going, most, to be, it's going um, to be annoying thing that's ever the, happened. The, the, the longest ever. Um, you're going to push Brian Driscoll in, into number two and the longest ever goodbye yeah. of all time. Um, but we're all devastated. And I'll be I'll be here next Friday. The reaction that's you're not going to put me off. Adrian going came into uh, <laughs> came into the office this morning. Got <laughs> the last one on. Last one was like he wants to see him out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, no, next week's the last one, folks. Next yeah. Friday, tune in. That's the um, farewell. Looking for tears that day, hopefully. Yeah, everybody's devastated and the news was announced yesterday and none of what we're going to do over the next sort of five or six, maybe even ten minutes is going to give you too much pleasure now. But hopefully when you're, you know, sunning yourself a bit like myself on joining those freckles on a beach and wherever it is you're going to be, um, you know, it'll give you some comfort when you're replaying the hits on YouTube. You're like, oh, I'm feeling, I'm not, you know, I'm feeling a bit out of touch with home come. Mm-hmm. I'm going to open that. Uh, so look, we wanted to sort of give you a bit of flavour of what people were saying because I know, you, you know, you're not crazy about the social media stuff. We wanted to go on and just um, bring you flavour of that, if that's all right with you. That's fine. You can do what you want, but this is not. This is do, do what you want. This is going to be the most uncomfortable thing that happens to me today. Broken it into a couple of different segments. Um, one of them was like the the reaction. To be fair, Colm, now and mm. your digital letter here has been off the charts, hasn't it? Unbelievable. It really so has. We're having a, we're having our post show meeting yesterday, discussing what we're going to treat from the show and all that. And then Cameron, uh, our digital team, says, uh, "Oh, we should probably clip that own tribute, shouldn't we?" Our own announcement actually it wasn't even a tribute at that stage it was just a very cold announcement that he's leaving and uh, we were like yeah I suppose we should clip it wow it's blown up how does that make you feel okay that's the second wow this morning after uh, what, was, what was the first one on uh, Adrian's return I don't know that's it, that, that's very un, very unusual and uh, people are, people were being very very nice on social media yesterday for uh, for a change which is absolutely uh, which is very strange so well look there's another week to and, give you yeah. a bit of abuse I think if people are yes that uh, would be nice trying. actually, just like, half, let's, actually. Just, let's just return yeah. it back to to, to, um, to normality that would be good there will, there will be plenty of opportunities to be, do that. Before we do any of that, let's get into it. A few to get through, right? We started off with, there's two categories here. One of them is uh, colleagues, peers, and general celebrities. So we're going to kick things off. Michael McMullen is going to get us underway here from uh, Gaelic oh. Life. All the best, Owen. Your build-up pieces before the All-Ireland. Mickey Ned, in particular, were excellent. And then we're into, this is maybe the, the, the tweet of the day, to be fair. Paul Howard, renowned author, um, writer, um, many strings to his bows. I really respect it. He's con- he's consistently excellent and great to listen to. Don't let him out of the building, lads. Best of luck, Owen. That's lovely. Mm. That it must is, have been a nice one to get. Mm. That is that is genuinely lovely. Continuing our celebrity push, uh, Anthony Moyles, best of luck, Owen. You'll be sorely missed. Enjoy the travels. Sue Murphy, our colleague. Uh, one of the best people I work with, an absolute gent, and put up with me for an entire podcast too. We're going to miss you loads. Uh, John Duggan. Owen is a unique Irish broadcasting talent, has an X factor about him, is funny, and is most importantly a good guy and a helpful colleague. Enjoy the break. Hashtag Kerry. Thanks, John. Thanks, Sue. So we there's Game of Thrones prequel pod oh, that, yeah. that we're missing out on, I guess. So um, I'd like yeah. to have a little envision box. We should have thought, but it's a little bit more little envision box. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm really liking the full screen because I actually can't read the tweets unless you put them up full screen here. So if you can continue <laughs> to do that, that would be great. And the last Jake. one on the peers, celebrities, and colleagues is from Sinead Kassan. What a loss. Best of luck, on another Very respected member of the media. And I also had, I mean, I'm sure your, your own phone was hopping yesterday. I had a text from um, another respected, uh, long-standing and respected member of the uh, sports media industry in Ireland, Hazel Nolan, devastated, in all caps and bold, 
devastated at Owen leaving. He's the best part of the OTB universe, like Tony Stark. The best? Again, very, yeah, the, the best. best is very strong. Thank you. Like that's Tony nice Stark. To say again. But that's very nice. Like, I mean, we all know that it's Adrian Hoosier, Daddy Barry. That, like, I know, the, but I, I have to say, we were, um, we were testing Neve Briggs' line yesterday before she came on. Mm. And doing the usual and then Neve was listening in just before she came on and she yeah. texted me saying Owen leaving question mark and then before I responded she wrote devil yeah. and I think I, that sums it all up doesn't oh, it? Absolutely. why yeah. can't we just like reminisce in some of the really shit times or you know some of the you know the, well hold the, hold the line caller hold, hold, yeah, hold yeah, yeah. don't worry about that don't so worry the about audience has spoken as well that's, that's you know we've ticked Thank the you. first box the audience has spoken as well so we'll kick that off here with Herman McGoring you'll be missed Owen excellent presenter Hugh Farrell best of luck in whatever's next <laughs> Mull Herman Goring is WTF I think he sums up most of our reaction there uh, Ross Horgan says genuinely saddened to hear that Owen Sheen is leaving uh, the team hopefully he'll be back at some stage in the future but Ashling is very good too and as the saying goes Eden Bread is soon forgotten yes. <laughs> yes. this Jesus is the sort of Christ. stuff I'm here for this Ross Horgan here you, for. thank you that is, that is I mean he was it all started off so well can't believe enjoy the travels he ends up after that eating bread is soon forgotten Um, and then uh, an interesting one from TikTok uh, Ravinelli it's Johnny Giles that I feel sorry for he says be a devil getting used to someone other than Owen (laughs) and then uh, Dembros uh, weighs in with he talks with Nathan not Owen Ravinelli's sticking to his guns here why is he always pausing and saying ah Owen constantly so no he's always saying Nathan at the start and end of every sentence uh, I listen in every Thursday been, that um, was my personal favourite he's obviously been listening back to maybe a few podcasts from uh, over 10 years ago but that's um, <laughs> that's very funny actually um, uh, sorry go ahead no no go ahead oh, yeah. um, Paul Conlon Satellite Taxis got involved too in your tribute Satellite Taxis Satellite Taxis FC yeah. Paul Conlon oh, man behind sure. it uh, he got on to me and said oh no Owen's leaving and then he was looking at the Instagram response because we yeah. posted the video on Instagram and uh, he circled uh, one of his favourite comments yeah, yeah. Uh, from Mark Geary, Mark F. Geary, who will replace Owen as the person that doesn't get any cultural reference before 1990. <laughs> <laughs> there are takers, there are takers. Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, there is obviously a, a, an age limit to it. Um, what was it? What was, I saw one tweet yesterday being like, people come, people go, good luck. The tree shut up now for a few. That was my favorite. It was it was a a very very good sentiment, and I think that person is absolutely spot on. And that is that is it. There there is lots of um, lots of things, lots of sports to talk about this morning. That well, there is, and we get there, we get there, we get there. Conor McDermott, though, in the meantime, uh, we'll never forget his report from under the stand in McHale Park as he waited late into the night for the updates. Uh, All he wanted was a Kit Kat or a Mars bar, but uh, none to be had. Best of luck in your next endeavor. Thank you for all the times you made us laugh. We all remember that. That was you were trying to get into the shop. I didn't like. I wasn't driving then, so like I drive now. That probably wouldn't be possible. I had to wait till the train the next morning. So that was kind of. That was like, the time you brought the um, half and half. What's it called? No, it was just a big or just a Twix extra. No, the 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 pint and the bag of chips. What's it called? Oh, the, 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 the medium and chips medium, in Mick medium, Burns and yeah. Casper Legend. He was um, he was down there with one of our colleagues last week, actually, Annette Freeman, who was um, oh, talking yeah. about it. Yeah, good man, Mick. Uh, Barry PM says he was just waiting for his beloved kingdom to bring Sam home, and then uh, he wants to Michael Jordan off into the sunset. I look forward to the six-part Netflix documentary. All the best, on HG back. Here, here, uh, says Barry PM. Uh, Griff, sorry to hear Owen's leaving the crew to have a, ger- a Kerry and Arsenal voice of reason was always good. Who's going to Yarra for us now? All the best, Owen. Safe travels and enjoy. Joseph Show 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 says, All the best, Owen. She had a big loss to off the ball. Hope he enjoys his time travelling 
Life is for living. I don't know. Does he mean time your time? No, he means time traveling. Yeah, traveling or he, time traveling. You know, he knows the truth. Life is for living. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Uh, Neil White, in the most complimentary fashion, I always thought Owen was a fantastically reluctant <laughs> broadcaster, refreshing, stubborn, unique, and irreplaceable. That's a great one. Stubborn. I, I, that's actually very. That's a very very nice tweet, Neil. Thank you. And, a, a reluctant um, broadcaster. You must have a comment on that. I mean, every Friday, I get reluctantly drawn into <laughs> chatting about things that I don't want to <laughs> chat about. <laughs> yes. Here we are. Every um, Friday. Not for the last six weeks, but like there was a theme on this show on Fridays where Adrian would ask me what are my plans for the weekend. Yeah, yeah, we and then he would then he would prize me, Jeremy Prax- Paxman style, uh, as if I had like hidden <laughs> keys to terrorism or something like that. That was, that was interesting. It was just we're trying to live vicariously via you, all which I'll be doing now. But you know, I was doing that for your social weeks. media feeds. Are you going to be updating your social media when you're away? Yeah, are you going to be, be yeah. like? But I mean, are you going to be like, oh, here I am on a beach, and here I am reading a book and doing something more? No, I'm not, probably not one of those types of people, to be honest. So, right. um, as in, like, I'm not really much of a beach person, naturally. Are you not? Uh, Why do you say naturally? <laughs> like, I mean, I, uh, do I look like much of a beach person? Well, I'm the same. You're a beach dad. Love the beach, yeah. Are you a beach dad? What do you mean a beach dad? I mean, why, why, why does everything like when you get to a certain age in life have to be followed by the what? I could, I could just see you with the cowboy hat, this, the big sunglasses. Um, no, no, co- no cowboy hat. Uh, plenty of sunscreen. Nice. Um, Brian Kennedy, only thing that could be worse news than this is if uh, Clifford went to uh, Oz. That I'm heartbroken like terrible. a death in the family, follows up David Kinsler. Really do. Um, yeah, Clifford going to Australia would be bad. Um, going to miss Owen, says Mark Comerford. Easily my favourite of all the OTB presenters. Very kind, Mark. People's gift game was very strong yesterday. Gavin uh, kicked us off with this, which I'm sure must have been uh, one of your own favourites, Owen. Uh, Eamon why why would you do that uh, Brendan Devaney ultimately where do we go from here this is also my top three like this is yeah now look at that that really as soon as Richard Arthur did that that was the end <laughs> that was the end there's a split like, screen like, uh, there's definitely like a few of my mannerisms and things like that that I've tried to change as a result of that. Is that right? Yeah, oh, 100%. It was, I, it, like, at the start, it was like, there was uh, definitely a sense that, you know, um, I, was, I, was not, I, was, I wasn't taking it so well. And then um, then my family WhatsApp group started ripping the piss out of me because of first start. And I was like, I but just it's the ultimate here. compliment. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah okay, no, it actually, yeah. it totally is. Um, but I, I should have just, I should have just called it quits there. And then I was like, he's, he's defeated me. And uh, I should have just sailed off into the sunset at that point. What were the any any insight now that you can give us as you um, take a take your leave for a, for a period of time as to what some of those um, mannerisms that you you had to work on? Uh, I, but I know that people found just even I, we're only just showed a still image there. People found Richard's posture very funny. Oh, really? Okay. And then I'd, I'd just be sitting there with a few of my friends, and then they just go. <laughs> well, it's like changed this. so much, Owen. It's changed so much as well. well you see, this chair screen. is absolutely messed up, and <laughs> my back is obviously subsequently more messed up since twenty nineteen as well. Uh, Andrew Lynch says, uh, "Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, Kerry, Arsenal, American sport—a powerful combination." Gone. James O'Brien said, "Ah, my wife enjoyed coming down the stairs to say, hey, Google, turn off the radio.'" After I enjoyed the previous one and a half hours listening to OTB, I'm sure she'll miss him as much as me. I mean, I'm sure she'll still do that. There'll just be different people in the seats. Absolutely. Uh, first Cody, now this. It's too much. Best of luck, says Linda. Gutted. He was a top presenter. All the best on, says Aaron. He was. Is there to be some X Factor style? He was. I know, exactly. Yeah. Is there going to be some X Factor style auditions for his replacement, Jerry, Adrian and Nathan, as the judges? Great shout. Oh, yeah. Colum, you taking part? Colm should be in there, of course. Would be would be mm. required to be in there, and by the look in his face, the, would uh, be uh, 
have to work with if we could ever get, every get single him, day. If we could ever get him out from, you know, slouching in a seat and hiding behind the laptop. Well, I'm slouching. I mean, the, the, the chair is like... It's We're 15 minutes into the show. And uh, we, da- we need Davey to Mack says... Uh, you haven't heard this one before. Davey Mack says, people come, people go. Good luck. Uh, this is my favourite. Uh, <laughs> thanks, <for stealing, laughs> thanks for stealing it earlier on. Oh, but it was, it's a good one. Paul Morrissey says, it's a power play. OTB going to have to double his wages and time down to a long-term deal. Open to offers, and we leave you with Mike Breen, who says not the news any of us wanted to hear today, but I understand the rationale behind it. You're damn right on to get out there and explore the world, enjoy it. I hope you find yourself back playing a big part in our daily lives again upon your return. Ganairi and Boherlat. That like seems like we've trawled every single comment. That well, not every single internet, comment, but uh, it absolutely wasn't even. Uh, yep. fraction of them the response has been um, justifiably and understandably spot on very complimentary and uh, we're going to miss you we've another week obviously to do this so I don't want to get yes, too emotional just yet but um, yeah, yes we do and uh, people are going to be absolutely it, like it was next Friday but I appreciate it all the same thank you very much um, this is also in itself uh, I'm not unaware going to trigger another um, spate of, of social media mentions for you today so for you across today we just don't so have to clip we, we can just features. like not clip it we, what, Go ahead. I'm saying it's, there's going to be a little more comments off the back of this. I was saying that we're not like even not done with it. the comments because the live comments are full of own tributes again. Well, okay, the worry yeah. is that could, we're going to peak too could soon. We just do yeah. a, could we do a daily slot for the next week? I think we can do a daily slot. I think no, we not, let's not do that. We don't have to do that long. Good, but like, no, we don't have to do it that long. We no. can kind of sprinkle it in. No, throughout the show. Um, there is room. No, let's any 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 like Mbappe style power that you once wielded around here. Oh, nice segue. Is now gone. Very nice segue. We should do the coming up, should we? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, all right, we're not going to talk about. We'll come back to all. We'll do the coming up, and then we'll okay, come back. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Here's what's coming up at the show. I've been told to say, Julian Lorenz, <laughs> football writer, is standing by, uh, and will be joining us very shortly to talk about Mbappe's power play um, at PSG, and we'll no doubt touch on some Premier League related stuff as well. Michael Burton, who uh, regular viewers of the show will be uh, familiar with, was on with us a couple of months back. Started the summer talking about his 32 half Ironman across 32 counties, and that is uh, almost upon us now. So Michael is back to talk about his update uh, update us on all of that tell us how his training's going and how prepared he is uh, Andrew Coscarin is confirmed and ready to go um, hopefully um, in a little bit he uh, ran and finished ninth in the um, uh, European Athletics Championships in Munich yesterday uh, top 10 finisher in pretty good stuff so we'll get his thoughts hopefully a little bit later on Owen's been talking to NFL kicker Pat Murray who's talking about his career and also looking ahead to the college football game obviously in the not too distant future uh, we'll have a live crappy quiz for you and a new host mm. I mean uh, I don't know if everybody's quite prepared for this but it might actually help uh, wean our audience off own exactly very true exactly. that's a really good point that's the ambition is that why today. we're doing it Adrian who's your daddy Barry is no longer taking part in the quiz he is the grand master of the quiz this week I feel way more nervous um, about hosting it than I ever do about my pitiful attempts at being a participant you, you have hosted it I have I have I have last yeah. uh, Arthur Mick and Shane, Shane. very yeah. good so that'll be coming your way Arthur will be in studio be a nice little touch of a Friday morning. Lovely. Yeah, sure you'll agree. Okay, coming up on uh, 10 to 8, OTBM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. That's a flavour of what's coming up a little bit later on. We are going to talk about all or nothing later on, are we? Is that is that the plan? Or what are we doing? Well, I, I think we can just go very quickly here before we get to, uh, to Julie. Um I was told to watch an episode of it last night and I did that. I watched the final episode of it. Up to this, I've just seen the 30-second minute-long clips of the best stuff that is popped up my TikTok feed and it's been good stuff um, and it's obviously like I mean if, if you I, you know Arteta is the one who obviously is front and centre of this thing and you wonder like the process that went through his own mind when they said oh we're going to do this thing because he's ultimately 
the one who's getting most exposed by this entire thing and always was going to be it wasn't like oh we found this interesting character um, and watching the episode last night and from the previous ones I've seen I do really like Mikel Arteta and it certainly seems like he's got a lot of the right ideas but watching a lot of the detail of the stuff that he was doing last night in the team room and around matches it was really hard to believe him how do you mean? His speeches seem so contrived and like he's got this I wasn't expecting the energy out of him the energy was off the charts but it also felt a little bit like I've been to school to learn how to be energetic in a room. Really? That's what it felt to me watching it. But like I said, I am I sort, of, sort of juxtaposing that with the idea that I do really warm to him and I really like him. But I did feel like when he was in there, when he was talking to the players and he was saying, guys, I've got this connection with you. And he would also thump himself and thump everything around him, mm-hmm. which at some point I was like, it was a bit like the spitting on the hand stuff. I was like, ah. Oh he's off in that for a while I really like you you're the best group I've ever worked with I'll never work with I've got such a connection with you and it would pan around the room and generally they'd be like yeah it was just it didn't seem as if they were bought into this this two way connection that's really interesting yeah because we've been uh, reviewing this uh, with each week for the last two and uh, our consensus is that the players really seem to buy into him and the the more you watch it the more you kind of buy into Arteta yourself Um I think he's. I think he's really impressive. I think he's quite innovative with his speeches, and it's really difficult to come up with something new mm. and uh, attention worthy to a group of players and individuals, some of whom are not playing and probably don't like you very much because of it. And he's still kind of gripping a room. Or the way it's edited certainly seems like it for me. I wouldn't have thought that at all that players were disinterested in what he was saying. Um, he came up with a, a novel approach of uh, using a light bulb as. Uh, as a reference point for one of his uh, pre-match team talks recently, then turn on the light bulb because the light bulb not turned on is useless. Turned on, it's forced, isn't it? You know, it's too forced. Um, no, I, I really like I really like him. I, it's a good documentary series. It's kind of a very feel-good factor about it. But I'm just waiting for the Manchester United one. You know, that's really what I'm waiting for here. Mm. That's what I can't wait for. I like, I don't know. Like the first episode, I thought there was like definitely a few cringe moments. Yeah, with, with what he was doing, and I, and I think that's fair enough. But I don't know. I think it's. I think it's very hard to say that the players are disinterested in what Mikel Arteta has to say. I think that, uh, if anything, that they are almost uh, tribally following Mikel Arteta, mm. and they're, they're all part of the, the one thing going forward here. I, it's very hard to get a sense from the documentary that there are players who, who are disinterested. Maybe, like I haven't seen that the, the newest episodes. Maybe it completely shifts in the the most recent episodes. But certainly, the the five five six episodes that I've seen, it's like. These guys are all very much signed up to, to the cult of Mikel Arteta. When, when he comes into the room and he's talking about the light bulb amongst like a group of like you know a lot of sort of early twenty year olds and like it's very it's all very contrived. But of course, I, it is, I yeah. can understand why in the room they'd be like. Um, and I'm not saying by the way that they haven't bought into the Mikel Arteta project or that they don't like him or any of that stuff. But uh, it's just the speech it seemed a bit. I don't know. I definitely felt there was a bit of a. Uh, disparity between where he was and where they were well the first episode I watched I thought the same as you so then the the more episodes I've watched the more I'm understanding his approach mm. definitely so I would have been you two weeks ago oh, right. but now I'm like well I, I actually I, I totally too could develop like you you could absolutely saying. develop in time yeah but there's an interesting comparison of, the Al- Arteta of, of Alex uh, Ferguson of did a, does a speech it's online 1998 documentary about Fergie before the United play Liverpool and I wouldn't exactly uh, describe it as an inspiring speech and the players look bored and that's Alex Ferguson so you know it's, I wouldn't judge Mikel Arteta I, yeah but like it's 25 years ago what you're talking about I, not, not, it wasn't tactical nuance 
it was just a general attention. Look, to be, to be fair, it is kind of hard. Like, I haven't seen the light bulb thing. I must, I must watch it. I'm sure it's there was circling everything on social media as well now. But like, the, I, I did say two weeks ago that the um, the moment where they have the two people holding hands and she's drawing on the whiteboard and all that, that felt David Brentish, to be honest. Small so bit like, of that. Uh, that can be. You, you can appreciate that while at the mm. same time accepting that whatever he's doing is working yeah. and he's bringing exactly. the players with him and he is very, very likeable and an outstanding man-manager. I think that's the one thing that's come through over this. Like He's got a lot of the big calls brilliantly correct. That's not to say he will continue to do so, but everything we've seen in the documentary so far it has been really impressive in terms of the big decisions. But I accept that when he goes into performance mode in front of his players yeah. to try and inspire him, that's where it, it, there's, there's a, a, a big chasm between David Brent and Pep Guardiola. Move on, says Colin, but, uh, but points, points well made on as always. Thank you. Try and compliment you as much as we can now over the next 10 days. So, uh, coming up at 8 o'clock, a reminder, by the way, that Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of OTB. Each week, we're giving one lucky winner, uh, one lucky viewer, a 100 euro voucher to spend on some Braeburn Coffee goodness at an Apple Green store no, uh, near you when you're out and about. So, to enter that, just check out the Off the Ball uh, Twitter account and just like and retweet our Braeburn competition post. You'll see it up there, and that will mean that you're in our draw. Braeburn Coffee is Apple Green's new premium coffee brand that offers customers uh, the best coffee experience on the road, and it's available now at 30 locations nationwide. We're turning our attention to the drama at PSG, joined on the line by the French sports broadcaster and writer Julian Lorenz. Good morning, Julian. Hello, guys. Infinitely fascinating for us to watch on and watch the various social media clips, obviously, that emerged from the action last weekend between PSG and Montpellier and uh, the Mbappe stuff particularly. He's obviously been given, and it's very much on the record, but spoken about this uh, great sums of money and great power, Julian, by the club. Is what we're seeing on the pitch now almost a natural reaction from someone who is who basically now views themselves as a serious power player in the club in terms of all aspects of the running of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is that too easy an explanation? I think it's a bit of both, probably. I think he was grumpy before the game started anyway. He had a, a tough week, from what I was told, off the, with all the field stuff. Uh, like personal issues and, and things like that. So I don't I don't think he was in a good mood anyway. And I think the, the penalty gate like made that mood even worse in the sense that he's officially the number one penalty taker. Neymar is the number two penalty taker, the second one, which means that Neymar takes the pen only if Mbappe is not on the pitch anymore or if the foul was made on Mbappe leading to the penalty. The thing is, Kylian missed the first penalty and then 20 minutes later when the second penalty happened, for another handball in the box and so nothing to do with Mbappe, not a foul on him and Mbappe was still on the pitch. When Neymar took the ball to put it on the spot, everybody knew there was trouble because Neymar himself knew that he should not be taking that penalty. Kylian knew that even if he missed the first one, technically he was still the number one penalty taker mm-hmm. and that should have been his. And Neymar knew it as well. Neymar pretended when he spoke to Luis Campos and Christophe Galtier that he was a bit confused, number one, number two, one penalty, second penalty to take. All of that, he knew exactly what he was doing. You saw the little sort of chit-chat between them two. And and in the end, we knew as well that Neymar would not give the ball away and that he would take the pen. And he's a better penalty taker than, than Mbappe, that's for sure now. The stats, the stats prove it. It just adds a bit of the drama already. We're only two weeks in the season and the drama is there already. I don't think Neymar liked the fact that Kylian was being given all that power now that he's the main guy, now he's the leader. Uh, and I don't think Mbappe liked the um, the sort of issues that Neymar has brought lately, like, you know, being late, timekeeping, those kind of stuff. I don't think Mbappe thought that was professional, especially last season under Pochettino. So I think there's a bit of baggage there and clearly the tension is there between them two. 
How much of this is on the back of the new contract that Kylian Mbappe agreed to and some of these terms that we've heard associated with the contract in terms of increased importance in the training ground and as some dramatic people may say, you know, becoming de facto manager in the dressing room. How much of a factor has that been in what we're seeing early this season? I think Neymar has been surprised. That's certainly what I've been told. He was surprised and I bet, but I don't know for any single, every single player in that dressing room, but I would think that he's not the only one to have been a bit surprised by the amount of power that Mbappé has been given. Again, the, the power is not written you know, black and white on mm. the contract or on a piece of paper. It's not, you know, Mbappé has to give a green light for transfer. It's, it's not like that. But everybody knows that the club and with Compost especially, more than Christophe Galtier really, because the, the relationship with Compost is like, is very, very strong. They, they've, they've known each other for a very long time. So, especially Compost and Mbappe, everybody knows that he would be consulted on, on a lot of things. So, yeah, I think, I think that probably didn't help already the relationship between Neymar and Mbappe that was really close, super close at the beginning when they both moved to Paris in, in the summer 2017. And they kind of drifted away in the last couple of years. I think just that added a bit to the gap between them. Because Neymar didn't really get why at 23 years old Mbappe would be given all that power. Um, we've just been discussing the All or Nothing documentary before you come on there, Julian, and it strikes me, having watched some of it, that like you know, in a club, a functioning club um, like Arsenal, where that sort of thing would appear on the pitch, the manager is going to be you know pulling those players in afterwards, and there'll be deep conversations about it. Like, I, how does all that unfold for Galtier when, uh, in the context of everything you've just spoken about in terms of the Mbappe contract? I mean, Galtier is tough. You know, Mbappe signed the contract before Galtier arrived. Mm. I think Luis Campos had a pretty strong idea that he would bring him in. But the, the Mbappe, the whole Mbappe story and and the finale of it and that incredible twist that he was not going to Real Madrid but staying in Paris was done way before Christophe Galtier was appointed. But Galtier is tough. Galtier is a hustler. You don't, you, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't like not respect what Galtier is doing in that dressing room if you're a player, I mean, because he's tough. Because he will see you on the bench. There's there's no doubt. Okay. So I think I guess uh, you know, if we if we take a lot of the managers, even the manager that were there, Unai Emery hated confrontation. Thomas Tuchel didn't like confrontation either. Marcio Pochettino, even worse. So I think if there's one guy that has been at the club in recent years on that bench, that actually I think he even even relish the confrontation because it's a way of, of you know, showing the group the discipline and his authority is Galtier. So Galtier is tough. What was interesting is on the Saturday, straight after the game against Montpellier in the dressing room, it was Sergio Ramos first who brought Neymar and Mbappé together in the dressing room and said, OK, I didn't like what I saw. No one liked it. This is not acceptable. Then the next day, both Galtier and Campos also took them both in, in their offices to say, listen, you know, what was that about? So... I think before, and certainly we saw that in penalty get one between Neymar and Cavani, that neither Unai Emery or Leonardo wanted anything to do with it, uh, or Antero Enrique, sorry. And and difference is that this time, with Campos especially, took them and 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 yeah, they didn't say anything. You know, they they he, Campos was really strong on them, like he should have been. What, was what, was that before or after Neymar started liking the posts that were being uh, critical of Mbappe? No, after, after, because that happened. Okay. That happened in the night between Saturday and Sunday. The 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 Campos and Galtier kind of meeting with them both was on was on the Sunday afternoon, 
And Campos said to Neymar, don't do that. You know, don't social media, you know how dangerous it is. You know that everybody sees everything. Mm. So don't, you know, just don't do it. Be a grown-up kind of thing. And be, be the great player that you've, you've been so far. Because Neymar, that's the other thing as well. And Mbappe missed the start of the season, the first two games, the Super Cup, and then the, the, first, the first Ligue 1 weekend. He, you know, he, came, he came back against Montpellier, having not played a single like, competitive game for three weeks, for example, since his last friendly. Neymar, on the other, in the in the other hand, on the other hand, in that in that time, was outstanding for PSG. The best the best player by far, better than Messi, who was really good, but still Neymar was above him. So there was also that I think to to, to take in consideration in the whole story. Mm. And then you have the like obviously the power play of Neymar's alliance with Messi and probably Ramos, and then you have Mbappe on the other side. Um, does the the conversation that you're talking about with Campos and Galtier has that just drawn a line under it? Do you expect Julian from here, uh, or does that uh, are the battle lines actually now properly drawn and we haven't seen the last of this? That's what both Neymar and Mbappe say. That's what the club says as well. Um, I I think the egos are too big anyway. Not not just between them two, but I think in general in that in the dressing room. And I think there there will be more stories. I'll be back on the show and we will talk about more drama, which I think is fine. I think it happens in in a lot of clubs. Um, so, but they all know that to win and to win big, to win the Champions League and everything, they they all have to pull in the same direction. Even if they don't, they're not all great friends and they're not all brothers and this and that. You've got the leadership in that dressing room. I think we start with with someone like Sergio Ramos, who is not, he's not closer to Neymar and Messi than he is to Mbappe, for example. I think he's very intelligent in the way he kind of, he kind of runs the dressing room a little bit. Um, mm. But then, yeah, of course, you've got, you've got little groups there and there. Hakimi and, and Mbappe, for example, are, there's a big bromance there, like Messi and Neymar, of course, and, and, and others. But yeah, I think it's something that Galtier and Campos and Sergio Ramos and Marquinhos, who's the captain, but maybe not, the most vocal of captains, but certainly still the club's captain, have to keep an eye on because especially Messi, Messi is, is more chilled. Messi, Messi doesn't really care so much about egos and stuff like that. All he wants to do is play football and play well. But between Neymar and, and Mbappe, maybe a bit of Icardi there, there, there's a few that where the drama can come from. So I think they need to keep an eye on it. Yeah, Ramos could be the uh, could be the hero in all of this. One thing that struck me, Julian, on the the one of the clips that was going around from the Montpellier game was you know the throwing of the arms up in the up in the air. Yeah. You didn't pass me the ball, and now I'm out of this move. But actually, like PSG were pressing up the pitch and were moving into a really good position. And if he had continued his run, he could be properly in the mix. Is there any sense that um, this stuff is going to impact on his game? I mean, like I know a lot of it obviously comes down to an unanswerable about whether whether um, the line you know that that is the end of it and and like ultimately they'll continue to dislike each other but just carry on with understanding that there's a job at hand but it did strike me that he had sort of down tools and had given up the opportunity to contribute to a possible yeah. goal scoring chance what's your sense of how much this can impact on his game it'd be interesting to see if he does it again for example uh, and I saw it straight away I didn't even need the clips that then went on social media and went quite viral I, and I know him so well that sometimes he can be like that. Sometimes I think there's that in him. It was just before the break. Like we said, he hadn't, he hadn't played for a while. He missed that penalty. By then he hadn't scored his goal. His goal came in, came in, a, in the second half. And, and I think there was, there was a, you know, maybe a, a feeling of like, of, you know, I've had enough of this first half. This is not good. And when Vitinha, I think the ball from Vitinha to Messi is not, it's not a bad ball. You can easily play that ball. I think the ball to, to Mbappe, 
is the ball to, to is the right ball to play there. And I think that's only what annoyed Mbappe, because I think Vitinha is, is is so good that he can easily play that ball and then Mbappe is through and then he's one on one and etc. But the ball to Messi is not a bad ball either. It's not like if he tried uh, double step over nutmeg and then lost the ball and then you could have said, "Oh come on, man." Mm. So I, in a way, I, I see what Kylian, uh, you know, I could see what Kylian did, and I, I can imagine how he felt on that moment. But again, things like that happen a hundred, maybe not hundred times, fifty times in a game. So it's about decision making. Sometimes Kylian himself makes the right call, sometimes doesn't. You know, and, and if people go mad every single time he he makes the wrong choice or the wrong pass or the wrong movement. Then, then it's endless. So I think he will know that he messed up on that one. He's the first one. I think he's quite critical to himself in a certain way. So I'm, I'm hoping that him or his dad would have said, "Come on, this is not, this is not acceptable either." There are some similarities with uh, the the malcontent, I suppose, that's maybe uh, uh, going on at Manchester United at the minute, obviously, with, with their uh, very high-profile, well-paid well player who it seems they're trying to get rid of uh, with Ronaldo um, and not having much success at the minute and not a huge amount of clubs that are uh, can necessarily come and take him. Any developments on that, Julian, as you understand it, or um, with a couple of weeks to go, uh, the likelihood of it happening in, in your view? Well, I think it's... You can always have a, like a final day of the transfer window, August 31st, uh, kind of denouement and then the ending. And he finds somewhere a bit like he did last summer from Juventus to United. The problem is the list of teams in the Champions League and, and we still have some that haven't qualified yet. So maybe if you're a Rangers fan or a PSV Eindhoven fan, you know, fingers crossed, if you qualify, he might come and, and offer himself to you because that's pretty much what he's done with every single club in the Champions League this season. Or, you know, so I find it incredible that a player of his calibre, one of the greatest of all times, is like offering himself, well, via his agent, but still, to pretty much every man and his dog. And, and I, I find that sad because of who he is. And I think he should be enjoying the last few seasons of his incredible career and enjoy that legacy and all of that, not being like scrap, scrapping to find a club because he wants to play in the Champions League, because he wants to score a few more goals just in case Messi tries to catch up or someone in the future like a Haaland or an Mbappé overtake him in the, in, you know, as a record holder, goal scorer for, in the Champions League. I find that <coughs> incredible. So the latest one was Dortmund. There is no way he's going to go to Dortmund. Like why, I mean, why would Dortmund sign him anyway? Like He doesn't fit their philosophy, the club that they are. It's just the way everything. Everything yeah. is... So maybe Atletico Madrid and Diego Simeone, but again, on that one, I would find it really sad that even Cristiano himself is ready to play for the arch rivals of Real Madrid, where he's, he's the, well, okay, one of the legends there and one of the greatest players of the history. And now he's ready to, to go to the arch enemies just to score two or three more goals in the Champions League for his own tally. Uh, again, I find that really sad. Like, obviously, the complete debate around Cristiano Ronaldo seems to centre on the, the the goals versus you know are the goals actually worth it given what, what he's contributing to the system but like really if you listen to Gary Neville on Monday Night Football and you zoom out and look at the entire 
list of players that Manchester United have bought. Like he did make the point that this has become a graveyard for talent, and I can I don't I'm not sure which side of the debate to come down on and which side is right, but you can definitely empathise with the view that the club has not been good for Cristiano Ronaldo as much as Cristiano Ronaldo may not have been good for Manchester United. And I wonder, Julian, are, are clubs around Europe potentially thinking that way as well, where they're maybe going back yeah. a further season and thinking, look at Juventus, Ronaldo, he was pretty good in the Champions League. That's the guy that we could potentially get in and and, uh, and give us a kick in this year's group stages or beyond? I, I mean, the, the the good Cristiano Juventus was, was still a while, you know, it's, it's not that long ago, but I'm, I, and it was, they were playing in a certain system. Like, basically, I think the only way you can play him is a front two. And let's be honest here, none of those clubs really play with a front two. I mean, you can play, again, if we go back to Atletico Madrid, yeah, you can play off Joao Felix, but it's not really a front two. Joao Felix is not a you know, another number nine that can play alongside Cristiano. I think Cristiano needs maybe a Morata or needs like a proper number nine next to him. And also, I mean, the, the, the thing is the lack of intensity in his game anymore and especially off the ball, the lack of running and the lack of pressure. Last season, he was the worst of all strikers in all the big five leagues in terms of pressure per 90. I mean, that means the guy at Troyes ran more than him, like pressed more than him. You know, the guy at I don't know, in uh, Akadith in Spain. I mean, do you see what I mean? The guy uh, who went down in the Premier League at Norwich. I mean, he was the striker that ran the press the less in the whole of the big five leagues. So if you're, if you're I don't know, any kind of forward-thinking manager that wants his team to play high and press and counter-press, why would you want him? Mm. What, for a few goals? Yeah, of course, he will always score at least 15 a season, maybe 20 a season, because he's the greatest finisher of all time. So he would always finish. If you if the service is good, he would always finish. Remember the volley away at Spurs last season in the Champions League, uh, in the Premier League. Amazing goal, the movement, his positioning, the finishing is great. He will that will never leave him. But yeah. for the rest, why? Like he, he, I'm not sure collectively you he can fit in in many systems and many so formations that right now the top clubs in Europe have. Even a Dortmund, even a Sporting. Okay, people say, yeah, the dream, maybe he can go back to Sporting and finish where he started. If you're Ruben Amorim right now, Cristiano doesn't fit in anything you've been doing for the last three years or two and a half years. And Ruben Amorim is one of the most promising young managers in Europe. And right now, if you put Cristiano in that team, it, it would not work the same way. And all the success that they've had under Amorim, because he's not, that kind of, he's not the player that fit that system. And I don't think he fits in many systems. And that's the problem. Mm. So I don't know what will happen. Um, he might stay another season at United because, there's, because he's got another year on his contract. And if no one wants him, he's not, he's not going you know, to pay him off. And then he stays without a club. And this is it. This is the end. There's a World Cup in three months and he doesn't want it to be the end. So he will have to find a way. Because he's one of the greatest footballers of all time as well, he may end up scoring a Monday night, and uh, you know suddenly the people who yeah, make a course. case for him will be like, uh, "We can we can hold on to this guy for a while," which disregards all the points that you've just made, which 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 isn't right, I don't think. Just finally, before we let you go, Julian, on that game, do you expect it to go with uh, with form the way everybody expects it to go? I mean, maybe not exactly like last season went, but uh, win for Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fascinating. I don't know if Casemiro could be registered on time. I think he's, right now he still looks. Difficult to do because there's still quite a long way. Well, not a long way, but there's a way to go for the transfer to be fully done and then for him to be able to be registered and, and play. I don't know if it's the kind of game that you want Casimiro to play on his debut. 
Um, but I think he would certainly have that team because he will he will improve it. Whether you think he's a short term, you know, is whether you think it's a crazy move for him and for United because he's thirty years old, he's still better than what they have. So he will improve them. I don't know if with Ten Hag how you approach that game. Do you go super defensive? Do you do you keep this a similar team than what we saw against Brighton and and Brentford? But then you know that there's a huge risk that you're going to get battered. And if you're Liverpool, you need a reaction anyway. I don't know who's going to play, who's going to be the third one up front with Salah and Diaz. I don't know if he if he start a Carvalho, for example, which I would really like to see. But maybe this is a, again too much of a big game for Carvalho to to have his his first debut in the Premier League for. For Liverpool, so I don't know. I don't know how you address that if you're club. Uh, and for that, the Darwin red card is a, is a huge blow. But I think it's going to be fascinating. I think this one will be open. I, I don't think United under Ten High can just sit back and defend. And right, and if they want to do that, I don't think they're good enough defensively anyway. I expect Maguire to be dropped and Varane to start with Lisandro Martinez, and then we see for the rest. But I think it's going to be a fascinating encounter. And right now, it's it's hard to not see Liverpool winning it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter what uh, selection they go with up front or anywhere else, almost at the minute. Yeah. Julian, uh, really interesting stuff. Pleasure as always. Thanks, a million. Thank you, guys. Julian Please, Lorenz, you. football writer, uh, BT, ESPN, and beyond as well. Uh, always really interesting stuff and good insight uh, into what's going on, particularly on the French scene. OTB AM at uh, quarter past eight on this Friday morning, brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. And as you know, uh, for the first time in uh, three years, OTB returned to Vicar Street this week uh, for our bumper Cadbury FC. Roadshow. It was a genuinely fantastic night alongside Ian Wright, Emma Byrne, Karen Carney and Michael Owen and Katie McCabe even uh, dropped in for good measure on video on the night and all money raised from tickets on the night as well will go towards grassroots uh, women's football in Ireland and you can hear much more detail on that if you tune into the Koi Gig pod over the coming weeks so stay tuned uh, for that over the next while. Um, the crowd uh, also made the night to be fair it has to be said and here's a snippet from the evening it's Michael Owen talking about Gemma Owen and her recent stint on Love Island. So look, we're going to have a few laughs and talk about fun stuff as well, but there's no point trying to ignore the fact that we all have tough times in our lives. So, for instance, for instance, there would have been a time in your life when you would have heard, Dad, I'm going on Love Island. <laughs> I thought that was coming. We're sorry to do this to you, Michael. I didn't know what you were talking about at the start, and as soon as I thought, this is coming, yeah. yeah. But she... Like, Gemma was amazing on Love Island. I watched the whole thing, I'm not afraid to say. And she came across so well, and she was the youngest contestant. I thought she was so beyond her years, and how did she come across? Yeah, thanks. It's, um, it wasn't the best of uh, conversations when she first asked me, I must admit. But uh, on a serious note, I had no worries about her. She's, uh, she's pretty sensible, and she's a good kid, and uh, I had no worries. I didn't bring myself to watching some of the challenges and things like that. I don't like seeing my daughter kissing other people. Um, but in general, I, uh, I probably watched 30%, 40% of the show. And, uh, and on the days that I didn't watch, I was on, to the, on the phone to uh, the wife at, at five past ten saying, how did she do? And uh, no, it'd been great feedback and she's, she's done well. And uh, she was 50-50 where to go on in the first place. Right. But I think it's, uh, it's been good for her and, you know, she's, uh, she's had a good time. I suppose the scary thing from your point of view is not so much how she'll do, it's how will this be edited, how will it be received, and you would have a deep understanding of fame at a young age, and it's not an easy thing. No, no, it's not. Uh, I suppose that the one thing that I was concerned about, I had no worries about her. Mm. I was concerned about 
the stigma maybe people saying oh you're you know your daughter going on that and um because we've i've not watched it personally in the past but i've heard about it and i've i i you know we all know (laughs) 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 we all know what uh what people are perceived by going on it and uh and that was my uh my main worry i'm gonna be an avid watcher from now on i can tell you now i've seen it (laughs) Uh, there is that fear, I suppose, uh, fame at a young age, what way it'll go. For you at 17, you signed your first professional contract with Liverpool? Yeah, and actually in the, in the days after, it's actually reminded me, because, don't get me wrong, I still semi in the public eye doing the TV and things like that, but it has reminded me a lot, when you read the, I mean, there's virtually an article about her every day in some showbiz magazine or, or newspaper, and the inaccuracies of it all is unbelievable. It just reminded me of, of, uh, of, of when I was 17, mm-hmm. when I was 18, and it yeah. felt like there was an article about you every day, and it was like, that's so wrong, it's so inaccurate. It, it's, it's, it's amazing what, what people do, because if they can't get the news themselves, then, of course, they will, will make a lot of it up. So, um, but it has, it's, it's, uh, it's made me realise what it was like, and, uh, and, but she's handling it fine, and, and she's... Uh, but she's really a, a, a home girl. She loves being at home, and she's since she's been a, a away, she's come back, and she's had to be in London for a few days doing different bits and bobs as part of the, the ITV contract. But she can't wait to get back home and start riding a horse again. Yeah. She said um, that the whole way through. Yeah, yeah, she just yeah. I mean, and she's got dogs and horses and everything else that she's just missed like mad. So she can't wait to just get back to a bit of normality now. And I presume fun to see the blank faces when your name was mentioned. Uh, the new generation who were like, who? <laughs> <laughs> well, this Who's is the dad? thing now. I, I'm walking down the street and, and people are going, that's Gemma Rowan's dad. <laughs> like, you are. <laughs> OTB AM. 20 past eight, you're watching OTB AM and uh, delighted to have you along with us. We've so much to come with you now. And 10 this morning, we are going to talk to uh, NFL kicker Pat Murray in just a little bit. We've a live uh, crappy quiz coming your way as well. And do keep your comments coming in, by the way, if you're uh, wishing Owen good luck. He loves to see them coming in. So the more complimentary you can be, the more cringe he's going to be. And ultimately, the better show then we're going to be able to make. So please do keep the comments coming in. Delighted to say that we're uh, welcoming um, uh, Michael Burton back to the studio. He was with us a couple of months ago. Michael, how are you getting on? Very good. Thanks Very good. Glad to be back. Coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People will be, uh, regular viewers will be familiar with your story and what you're up to. But uh, just to recap it very briefly, you're doing uh, 32 half Ironmans in 32 counties across 32 days. So it's 32 1.9k swims, 32 90k cycles, and 32 half marathons. Yes, that's it. Got it in a nutshell. That is, um, that is quite the undertaking. So we're over two months down the track I think since we last spoke and is it 10 days out thereabouts yeah starting on the 31st of August so how's all the prep going it's going yeah (laughs) no it's going well a few little bits to like kind of close up just with regards to swim locations and tides and and stuff like that but other than that it's pretty solid of a route and where I'm going to be and everything so are you um, so in terms of like the logistics of the mm. the sites of where you're going to do this stuff, most of these you won't have seen before, or you'll no. you'll be going there fresh. I'm going there fresh, yeah. So uh, predominantly around the country, um, there's like a triathlon club in every single county, um, and like I just don't have the time to drive around the whole country and find swim locations. Mm. So I just got onto every single triathlon club, and they got back to me and said, "Okay, well we swim here, whether it's a lake or a river." Mm. Um, and so you, you make know, that your base, and that's from that, where yeah. You, yeah. So I'll just start the start the swim there. They've kind of said, okay, well you can go out and back 
and that's your 90k cycle and then you can do a loop here or whatever it is mm. so just kind of go with the flow a little bit on like the switch or on the cycle and the run I can kind of do them wherever like it doesn't really make that much of a difference but the swim is obviously the hardest part to find somewhere like you've got land, landlocked uh, counties and stuff like that so and are you trying to do them in a time like what are you, what's your mindset or not, not, no 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 just no. get out and do them just and get out and do them I won't be trying to do any sort of time no intensity I'll just be plodding along and getting them done each day in fact I'll probably try to do as many swims with the current as I possibly okay, can okay yeah 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 um, but yeah that's the plan and so you you somewhere at home have like some sort of a, a war room with like all the counties mapped out and all the locations Google mapped Sheets. out Google yeah. Sheets Google right. Sheets right Google Sheets yeah so I have Google Sheets upon Google Sheets of all the counties all the triathlon clubs all the contacted people all the in the last like two or three weeks a lot of hotels have like offered me like accommodation so shout out to all of those um, they're making my life a lot easier but yeah that's pretty much how it's going to go what's the craziest thing you've done like this before this uh, the biggest thing I've done before this is probably the Ironman I did an Ironman just over about two weeks ago that's like probably my biggest event that right. I've ever done so it's a bit of a step up you're ramping it up significantly I'm ramping it up significantly now I have been training for this for like over a year okay. so I said I was going to do this about this time last year I was actually on a cycle with my coach and I was like yeah I think I'm going to do this and he was like great yeah well that's yeah. <laughs> good man 100% yeah, yeah go for it um, so I've been training for it for over a year did the Ironman last week and I was like do you know what where was that uh, Maastricht over in the right. Netherlands so that was good fun first ever first time ever doing an like a, like an Ironman event first time ever doing like a full Ironman like every single one of the distance spot on that was good fun um, but I felt good after it like the next well I did I had to go into the medics tent at the end but after that I actually felt quite good so. what was that what was up I mean oh, apart from the fact that you're doing an Ironman one of my friends a good friend of mine um, he did a marathon over in London and I really wanted to beat his marathon time after doing a 180k cycle on a swim so for the last 7k I just went all out so you were fatigued to oh, put yeah, yeah. and did you succeed I did okay yes. nice yeah. it's all right. by about 10 minutes so I was very happy well with that. what's your um, biggest concern in terms of injury doing this um, so I have in the last like I say since the two months um, that I've been here I've had a bit of a an ankle injury which I had to kind of nurse back and then just a back injury but hopefully I'll have I, I pretty much I think I've got them sorted now so it's just because I won't be doing any sort of like really like heavy yeah. intensity like running for the for the course of it or anything I'll just hopefully just be able to just plod my way through it but. And and like in the uh, eventuality that there is something, have you have you like any sort of um, like you know I, what's in my mind is we we had um, Damien Brown and Fergus Farrell Fergus Farrell on here not that long ago, who were the two mm. lads who were running across the Atlantic. Yes, yes, and yes, yes. We were chatting about all sorts of eventualities, and if you listen to the podcast, which I, I highly recommend you do, Deep Roots, it's an incredible listen. Yeah, and you see all the pitfalls and the stuff that like. Uh, uh, you know they certainly had in mind Fergus yeah. is no longer in the boat for example he had to bail after um, after a couple of weeks or whatever so just uh, that uh, eventuality planning for yes. stuff that you haven't seen have you thought through much of that or I presume like it's all just going to kind of happen as it happens I can't really can't, think yeah. t I don't really want to think too much about things that might happen yeah um, I'll just try plan and have everything together like I don't know if you're following there's a guy Con Conor O'Keefe 
Mm. He's doing 32 um, weighted marathons around the country. So I got on to him. I'm sure I'll chat to him afterwards and see if there's any kind of pitfalls around that. Um, but just trying to talk to as many people who have done anything similar. Mm. Like there's a, a lad up north that I'll probably chat to as well that did 10 Ironmans in 10 days. Um, so just keep chatting to people and see what they recommend. But... Um, I recently got someone to drive me as well so I don't have to do any of the driving at all I was going to ask about support team that's right that's amazing yeah so I'll have someone driving me so that will take a little bit of pressure off well I'll have to do as little driving as possible so you said whatever it was 12 months ago you're you're cycling along and you you tell your buddy that you're going to do this why 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 are you doing this Um, I'm doing it to raise awareness for for like men's mental health and young people's mental health um, because it's like in the, I suppose in the years running up to COVID, I struggled hugely with that. So I'm just trying to give something back um, and just try raise awareness for young people. And pretty much the the kind of one message that I'm having out there is just to, like if you're struggling in any way, is to talk to somebody and to open up, whether that's a friend or whether that's going to therapy or whether that's talking to your family, but just talk to somebody because once I started talking to people especially my friends everything compoundedly got better for me um, with regards to my mental health and what I was doing and getting back into exercise and stuff like that Um, and then I suppose for the Irish Cancer Society the reason for doing that is because my granddad passed away cancer uh, when I was eight Um, and I suppose retrospectively if I look back at like my behaviour between like 17 and like 23, 24 I don't think he would be very happy so I'm trying to I suppose make him proud do something for him as well That's lovely Have you found the um, on the mental health side over the last couple of months when you're like full bore at that how have you found that dynamic has it, has it helped has it been challenging um, like as uh, like and I can't stress this enough like exercise is such a good distraction mm. for mental health like it's amazing like when I when COVID hit I didn't really do much therapy or anything I just did exercise and exercise and exercise and then it got to a point where you know I was like okay I should probably go talk to someone and do some therapy because this has been fantastic I've lost, lost, lost a load of weight but I, like mentally I'm still you know got some issues going on I need to get them sorted mm. Um but the last kind of, I suppose, the last since since I left my job, my nine to five in January, and just said I'm going at this full full bore. Mm. Um, as my mental health has probably got progressively better. I like I've been doing like things like CBT, uh, cognitive behavioural therapy, um, and other things like that um, throughout the kind of run up. So as a whole, I'm feeling as fit as I've ever felt. Um, and mentally as good as I've I've felt in a long time. So that's great. What's the like? You mentioned the phrase "full bore" there, which I think anybody who's paying half attention this morning will get a sense that it's absolutely that yeah. in terms of the pressure, uh, the 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 um, preparation for the event and the event mm-hmm. itself. What's the plan like for you know when the thirty two is done? Like the next day, you know the the, the people often talk about the Olympics and like you know the yeah. cliff edge aspect of mm-hmm. we're building up to this thing and now it's done. And what the hell do I do now? Yeah. I have other challenges that I have set myself. So I'll probably do the Dublin Marathon at the end of October. Okay. I want to do that for a time. But afterwards, it's, I'm, just, I'm taking 10 days. I'm going over to Portugal for like 10 days. I'm just going to rest up. I'm probably going to make a move 
uh, away from Ireland over to the UK again. Um, but I have other things, like I have other races booked for next year. I'll just continue training. But yeah, that's definitely something... I I didn't I did like a a large event last year uh, like a, it was a kind of like a big triathlon kind of like an Ironman but it was um, a different brand it was called Hardman and exactly that I kind of had built up doing this mm. event to like the the highest peak it was going to be I was going to feel amazing afterwards and I didn't so I've kind of gone through that already so I kind of know what that's going to feel like um, but yeah I am. I suppose I am a little bit apprehensive about how that's going to be, but yeah. Well, it, it, you're you're also like dealing with it head on. You're yeah. You know, you're not blind to the fact you're not saying oh, after the 32 days we'll see what happens. Yeah. You've you know the Portugal thing even is is yeah allows you to ease yourself out of it almost to a degree. Yeah, hundred percent. So plenty of people, uh, plenty of people in contact this morning. Um, loads of lovely comments coming in. What um, there was one here that I just wanted to mention. I love this guy. Fair play to him. Says uh, Michael on YouTube this morning. What uh, Michael and the other people that are watching who want to get involved want to track your progress I want to donate tell yeah. us where to go yeah uh, so just everything is going to be done through my Instagram the last time I was on here I was saying that I lost an Instagram account never to come back so um, my personal Instagram is Michael Nile Burton um, you can follow me there I'll have everything up about where I'm going to be the day previous I'll have a full list of all the counties I'm going to be where I'm going to be swimming and then in my link tree on my bio you can see the donation page so it's I donate and then if you just google the 32 challenge or 32 32 32 challenge on I donate it, it will come up for okay. there well, look at uh, best of luck uh, for the challenge ahead. Uh, I don't you. know if that uh, quite captures um, the the feeling of goodwill towards it, but best of luck with it, and um, we will track your progress and we will catch up with you again on the other side. Thank you very much. Well done, thanks many for coming no in, problem. Michael Burton. Thank you. Uh, a reminder at half past eight this morning that uh, Brayburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of OTB. Each week we're giving one lucky viewer a one hundred euro voucher to spend on some of this Brayburn coffee goodness at an Apple Green store uh, near you if you're out and about on the road. So check out uh, our Twitter account and you can just like and retweet our Brayburn competition post and you will be in the draw. Brayburn Coffee, Apple Green's new premium coffee brand that offers customers the best coffee experience on the road and it's available now at 30 locations nationwide so check out all of that. Up next uh, we're going to be uh, we're hoping to be live from Munich uh, with Andrew Koskaren, um fresh from his impressive top 10 finish at the European Athletics Championships the 1500 metres uh, yesterday. So that's the plan. First of all before that here's more from uh, the Vicar Street Cabri FC Roadshow we mentioned a little bit earlier on. This time Ian Wright talking about the incredible impact that his strike partner Dennis Bergkamp had at Arsenal. In respects of being able, what, what, I, what I'm very fortunate for and what I'm always thankful for, and this is why, because like, I got in so late, I always, even when I was playing for England, playing in the, in the big games for us, I always had the moments where I was like, I cannot fucking believe this is happening to me. Mm. And it's the same with Dennis. You know, playing with him and the way we played in a way we, we, we struck up the partnership very quickly because he's so good. You know what I mean? He can, I, I can run into space. He could create space for you. It was just like made for me. And it was, it was one of those situations where I just, I just wanted to play longer with him. Mm. I just wanted to play with him more because of how great he was. And you saw everything about Arsenal change when Dennis signed. It was like when Spider-Man got bitten by that fucking unbelievable spider. The DNA changed. <laughs> The whole DNA in Arsenal changed when we signed Dennis. As soon as he put his finger, he's put his, that pen to that paper, that DNA changed. We were going to be a different team. And it's no coincidence that it's because Dennis, everything, all the success we had at Arsenal, especially when, obviously from 95, 96 when he got there, 
he was the main fulcrum of it. He was the, the main architect of it. And this is why Thierry and everybody who's played in that team said the best person, the best player they've played with is Dennis. Yeah. We were very lucky to have him. And if George Graham was the manager, he would never have signed him. Why? Because he just wouldn't have. He's the, he's the kind of player that George Graham just wouldn't have signed. He wouldn't have signed a player like that. Because we had a really good chance of getting David Ginola. If you speak to David Dean, could have got David Ginola um, after we played them. Um, in the semi-finals of the Cup Winners' Cup, he, he was desperate to come. He wanted to come. George Graham didn't want him, didn't want him. And I was devastated with that because that's the kind of player that we w- would have been unbelievable Arsenal. Mm. Amazing stuff from Ian Wright uh, in conversation with Joe and Ashling at uh, Vicar Street during the weekend. That uh, full piece coming your way very shortly. All but thanks to Cabri FC. It is 25 to 9. We still have uh, loads to come on the show. We're going to be doing a live crappy quiz in just a little bit. Um, it'll be Arthur up against Mick up against Jane. Shane. I keep, um, you know, just not used to this crappy quiz. Goodness, I, I'm definitely feeling the sweaty palms. I have the I have the package right here beside me, um, and I'm feeling under a little bit of pressure. Uh, and Liam Dunn on that note on YouTube says, "Owen, better be on the crappy quiz next week." We'll do it next week, yeah. But will you be on the? Will you? Will yes, you be I'll contestant? Host it next week. No, will you be contestant? No. I think. What do you think? Call him like a contestant rather than the host as for one yeah, last. Sure. Like for that, yeah, I would just be very mediocre as a contestant. <laughs> And as uh, we'll go from a mediocre will put your head to a mediocre straight away. To a contestant. So, yeah, which, which side of the mediocre, mediocrity coin would you like? Well, let's ask the, let's ask the audience. I think that's, let's let them decide. Yeah. Because there is, the, most of the comments that have come in, we didn't bring half the comments earlier on, but most of them were obviously in relation to the crappy quiz. Does that fill you with, like, you know, I've worked hard here over the last four, five, six years. And, you know, the one thing that people are sort of banging on about is, uh, the crappy quiz just isn't going to be the same. Yeah, the crappy quiz isn't isn't mine. It, it, like it was here before I was here, and it'll be here after I was here. So the crappy quiz is safe, guys. Don't worry about that. Uh, JP Wright says, at the end of the day, lad, you're just a number. Safe travels and pack the sun cream. I 100% agree <laughs> with that. That Sh- actually makes it a lot easier. Shay Geelong says, good man, Owen. Enjoyed the travelling. Met him in Japan during the World Cup while the rest of us were flat out in the beers. He was keeping a professional fair play to him. Yeah. I'm flat out in the beers a couple of days there, but obviously different days to you. Uh, Bobby Dwyer says, completely agree with Adrian on the contrived nature of Arteta, the cringest manager in the league. Tottenham fan, Bobby Dwyer. Uh, oh, is he? Uh, oh, right. uh, he's our right. resident first okay, okay. Bobby Dwyer. I don't even know Bobby Dwyer's name. And also, it's totally unfair to say that because we don't have the same access to all the other managers who are doing equally cringe things in their own dressing rooms. Yeah, like the Tottenham one, obviously, with Jose. Was that as cringe? Probably was. Less, but certainly cringe. Yeah. Um, he also follows up, and thank you for that context. All or nothing, the best season uh, finale since the Office Christmas special. <laughs> um, couldn't deal with the news yesterday about Owen. Oh, best of luck. Who'll keep Gilroy in check now? Asks Alan O'Neill. Um, and then just loads of comments coming in in the back of our Michael Burton chat there I love this guy fair play to him looks like a young Graeme Souness which was a great show yeah, I wish I'd seen that show. when he was here uh, Padraig Egan uh, only people happy to see Owen leaving are the Mayo County Board um, Michael on Michael says uh, good man's a great message you're an inspiration says uh, Tom Dalton um, fair play to this lad it's am- this is Jamie fair play to this lad it's amazing what a short walk or a run uh, in the fresh air can do for the head that's it. And then uh, Andrew Garrity, enjoy the extended J1 on all the best. That's what it is, basically, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's what's happening there. A um, couple of things to mention uh, from the newspapers. There's uh, some good stuff inside. There's plenty of reflections on the Irish clubs in European action last night. Uh, Shamrock Rovers 4-0 defeat to French Ferros. Uh, general sort of tone of things that could have been an awful lot worse. 
um, but it means their interest there is done. But they do have the backup, obviously, the Conference League, which by all accounts was probably something they were as happy to be in and might actually make more money out of. Either way, it's um, a definite amazing knock-on consequence for them and also reflections as well it's uh, very much dominating the back page as you can see of the Irish Daily Mail here this morning uh, that Shamrock Rovers result and a picture of Heather O'Reilly here as well who was in studio with Owen and Ger not that long ago um, uh, Shelburne with a 1-0 win in Slovenia last night uh, that puts them into the Champions League playoff on Sunday against the Icelandic champions um, and some big uh, teams um, up against each other at that stage and they'd just missed a penalty they'd scored after four minutes had just missed a penalty before that and it was brilliant vision from O'Reilly sort of just um, inside the box so he sees the keeper has just taken a bit of a step off her line it's exactly the sort of reason that she's in the team and the sort of vision that you would see um, and the execution obviously was there to head it over the keeper lovely uh, lovely goal um, and exactly why she was there and she did come off I think just before half time um, whether that's fitness or a bit of a knock um, who knows but um, hopefully she's fully fit to play on Sunday and can keep Shelburne moving in the right direction so that's what's happening there plenty other stuff happening across the back page as well also their sell up now United fans pile pressure on the Glazers um, as those rumours and reports uh, continue to mount in relation to that Slick French Veros uh, leave Rovers with a mountain to climb uh, writes Paul Butner in the Irish Times this morning. Globally, it's not a level playing field in terms of opportunity. This is Lisa Fallon's thoughts in relation to women's football and uh, loads more as well. Uh, interesting stuff and a um, good context piece on the 1500 metres final at uh, Munich at the European Championships yesterday as well from Ian Reardon inside. Uh, mainly focuses on uh, Wunderkid Inge Britson, um, who I was kind of thinking, oh, he must be like he's 26, 27 now at this stage. But he's just been around so long. He's 21, I think, mm. um, and blitzed the field uh, yesterday. And we're hoping to speak to Andrew Corskin, who was finished ninth in that race. Uh, great achievement for him, who will be on the line hopefully uh, very shortly. Kashi Miro. Pretty good. Yeah, that works. 60 million deal for Madrid star. Uh, Stam, it's time to let Ron go. Um, like I think it is and you know all the sort of two sides of the fence well sure he scores loads of goals versus but he's dragging the team down I think most right thinking people now are in the latter category they, they are and I guess the the point I was making earlier which I, I'm not even sure if I fully subscribe to myself is just that everybody's been so bad mm. everybody's been so bad at that club that does he not also deserve the sort of you know it's a place where careers go to die sort of argument as well probably not he's like I mean I, I can absolutely see the, the, the argument that he, he kind of detracts from the team on a tactical level the Casemiro signing is an excellent signing we were, we were also chatting about this earlier in the week and I just didn't see this I couldn't see the incentive uh. for a player like Casemiro to go to Manchester United because he's still very very good and has a, a lot to give Real Madrid I would have thought Yeah. so it's a, exactly it's a strange one sort of signing at last that United can sort of yeah. get behind taking a player from another club who's actually a value to that club but I don't know the Ronaldo stuff none of this he needs to, like Gillian Lenz touching it earlier, but like, I mean, he's got another whatever it is, 10 days to get the hell out of the club. And I think for everybody's sake, he does need to get out of there. I know, obviously, the Champions League thing, and he put it really well earlier on in relation to his thirst for more Champions League goals and for his legacy and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, I also think for his legacy in terms of United and United fans, him there stinking the joint out, like making faces at Ten Hag, like none of that stuff. For a player of Ronaldo's stature, the, you know, the manager esque stuff that we saw him on the sidelines for Portugal previously and you know people thinking oh there's a manager in this in this guy at his age behaving 
behaving the way he did on the sideline, um, t- you know, um, very visually, visually uh, going counter to Ten Hag, just reflects so bad on him. Yeah, well, when was this? Now this was the, the this was a, one of the preseason games or whatever oh, it was. There was like, and there was, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like oh, this real childish sort of like arms in the air and like making faces at him. And I don't understand what you're saying to me. And it's like, to be fair, like I suppose he was doing that on Saturday, but at least he was doing it uh, on the pitch, which I guess is a, a little yeah. bit better. And uh, well, at least at that, that point, it's not direct. Exactly, and it's not directly at ten, like he's leaving Ten Hag in a possible position. And to be fair, Ten, ten Hag is like, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin batting the questions away when they come at him. He's like. Like, you know, yeah, that's the only comparison no you can make between those two people, his personality. <laughs> <laughs> There's no emotion to be seen, but, um, like, in, you know, internally, you know, when the all or nothing comes out, it's like, I want this guy out of the club, he needs to get out. He's I can't believe there were reports this week already being like, Ten Hag is considering his future or will consider his future. Well, like, when you're seeing what's happening there, I mean, I don't know if it's going to get any better for them Monday night, but at least at that point, they have the context. At least afterwards, you Your know, even if they now. are beaten 4 0, they can say, uh, well, you know. Liverpool or Liverpool? Yeah. Like they just have better players to go up against Liverpool and they're going up against Liverpool. It's a good time to get Liverpool, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. If they have any hope of um, of arresting the, the, the sort of hammering that a lot of people would have thought was coming after week one of the Premier League. Not, not sure that's going to happen, but you'd still favour Liverpool. Um, supply demands. United fans lay down the law to potential buyers. This is in the Irish Daily Star this morning. Stam says Ron should walk away. And it's Rover and out for walloped hoops. Uh, writes Mark McCadden at the top there in the back of that Shamrock Rovers game last night Fan United on the Irish Mirror this morning uh, Manchester United anger growing at Glazers uh, Manchester United fans have issued a list of demands to anyone planning to replace the hated Glazer family as owners I mean a list of demands you know it'll just be oh, thank God it's somebody else you know a bit like the Newcastle situation which I appreciate is a different dynamic but yeah but it's, it's actually not a uh it is totally different in a lot of specific ways, but the overarching theme is the same. You know, look at this terrible owner that we're getting out. We don't care how terrible the new guy coming in is. It's just not the last guy, and that's all that matters. And I think that's possibly similar with uh, whoever may come into to Manchester United to take over. What's the worst case scenario here for United is that if the Glazers kind of sell a portion of the club and they still have a, a huge degree of control over the club, mm. I think that'll probably frustrate United fans more than anything else. Uh, John Claffey says Adrian hosting the crappy quiz in front of Owen would be like someone else hosting the weakest link in front of Anne Robinson I was gonna, like, there, was, there was definitely a far more um, kind of crude uh, reference there that you could have gone for but um, I'm glad he stuck to presenting yes indeed. Oh, Jesus I mean I wasn't even considering that Owen but thank you for significantly lowering the tone of the conversation yeah no there, like, oh, well, that's, well, well. Um, yeah I, I wouldn't feel it'll, 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 I wouldn't feel great now about that but look if it has to be done it has to be done um, you're also happily not going to sort of sit around judging. You'll, you'll at least be in you know, the comfort of your phone or somewhere else. You're not going to sit in the studio. I won't be judging you. Well, no, you will, I'm saying oh, you will be. Course, you just won't yeah. be sat in the studio judging me. Oh, no. He, is he possibly talking about next week? No, I think he's talking about this week. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I need to like it. So, sorry. Yeah, I won't. I'll, be, I'll be judging from afar. I'll be listening in. You're off. You're busy getting the logistics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no more of that. Um, one of the other things we want to talk about, we've um, chat with Pat Murray coming up a little bit uh, later on. NFL kicker, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Browns, Saints. Uh, and he's going to look ahead to the college football game next weekend. But uh, And also talk a little bit about his, about his career and interesting guy all around. Yeah, like uh, he's somebody that I think a lot of people would be very familiar with because not only is he, you know, an, an Irish guy who's succeeded in the NFL and managed to make it at the NFL, he's also just really in touch with 
uh, Gaelic games and, and Ireland in general he gets back here quite a bit pays a serious attention to Gaelic games and it was a conversation that we had a little bit earlier in the week and uh, he, you could tell that he, he's been watching everything like even as a kicker he had great admiration for a certain kick that uh, won a semi-final this year from, from Sean O'Shea's boot and um, we kind of got into conversations around some of the psychological barriers that he would have had to overcome as a kicker but also the differences between you know the likes of Ronan O'Gara or Sean O'Shea that's in one category and then in the other category is the NFL kicker because you can't go through the whole psychological routine uh, that all those lads in rugby or Gaelic football would do like as, as Sean O'Shea was saying Morris Fitz told him that you know this is your time now this is your time to make your mark in the game take your time take your breaths go through your routine and pop the ball between the posts with the NFL kicker it's holy shit there is 14 massive men running at me I've got no time to, to think about it so maybe there's a little bit of a routine about it but it's also just quick fire reaction mm. compared to mm. slow and I'm also going to only see the ball at the last second exactly. which was one of the interesting takeaways yeah yeah so like the, the, he reckons that if uh, Sean O'Shea was put on a helmet it, it would also add a, oh, a level right. of complication which is something you don't really consider um, but is there any need for them to wear a helmet? You, yes. have to be, you have to wear a helmet on the pitch. This guy did his... Was it his ACL he did? Uh, I know that's not the okay. head. I, I appreciate their <laughs> parts of the body. Serious, on your leg. serious injuries can, uh, can occur <laughs> to kickers, as, as we know. And they can definitely... They can have to get absolutely, I've seen kickers get, uh, get smashed and straight down. Okay, the okay. They definitely need a helmet, yeah. Um, we have a poll, by the way, if you're interested in getting involved this morning. Uh, we have a poll up on the Off the Ball Twitter feed. Owen is breathing heavily here beside me, which is an indication that he knows exactly oh, where I'm going. With Owen's uh, last show coming up next Friday, uh, should the crappy quiz quizmaster join as a contestant and put his knowledge to the test? We ask, uh, oh God, yeah, or ah, no, he's the host. 80%. Ah, for God's sake. Uh, oh God, yeah. Uh, but it's only 32 votes. I have voted for ah, uh, no, he's the host. Have you voted yet? Please, your vote counts. Yes, it does, yeah. And That's, get in, get in the uh, no, God, that's yeah. yeah okay. Whatever you want to do. Um, one of the things that we want to mention before we get into that uh, Pat Murray chat was that uh, in the office during the week, where um, you'd Nile tool on and you were uh, reflecting on the amazingness of Paul O'Donovan oh, and yeah. how he really should be sort of just rubber stamped, basically as Ireland's number one sports person of all time. We, it should, and I, you know what? I think we should like magic up Colin Bowie in studio. Ah, there he is. Hello, hello. How are you? Oh. Good job. I was in the production Thanks box there a there second ago. Yeah. The hell happened? Um, so wow. And it just it struck me that like. Um, you know, he's obviously. I think it might have been you mentioned on that, or somebody mentioned that he's not even in Corks. Um, well, Colin Rushmore on Tuesday that Paula Donovan is not even in Corks top four Irish sports people, even though we're having a conversation about him possibly being Ireland's greatest sports person. But then all. the thing was, so okay, but like now we have the context of you know he's getting more amazing and more amazing, and he might have you know as Niall said, like what is the medal count? So we're going to get to a point where it's he unavoidably mm. if he's going to be debated as you know whether he's Ireland's top sports person of all time he's surely got to be on Cork's co- uh, ramp, uh, Matt, Matt Rushmore, Rushmore. <laughs> Cork's yes. Matt Rushmore yes for you to say. I would so, think that's prerequisite mm. over to you mm. oh I would love nothing more I would have nothing more to put Paul on this Mount Rushmore uh, my hands are tied Paul I, uh, Why? I can't. I can't do it. I mean, I can't. Unless, We're can reopening. We a, can we? Can we have a fifth head? Well, just say, no, remind us. Mean, remind well, us. What can you do? So I, uh, everybody out there, for those who don't know, my four people on Corks Mount Rushmore uh, speak for themselves: Roy Keane, Sonia O'Sullivan, Christy Ring, Rodan O'Gara. Now, before everyone goes crazy, tell me, tell me here in the comments, who am I kicking out? For Paul. Well, don't Nothing worry, to do don't, Paul. Don't worry about it. Nothing to do with Paul. Nothing to do with Don't I worry about Paul. Don't, 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 don't be outsourcing. I'm a fan. Don't be outsourcing your Paul. responsibility here. I am. 
Come on. You, the question is to you. I am. What's your order What's of that of order? that four? Hold on, no. What's your remember? No, I didn't come to you and say, please let me on the show again to talk about why Paula Donovan should be on Mount Rushmore. The uh, burden is on everybody else. No, so are to you saying to me why I should put? I don't. I can't put Paula. W- one question. The burden is 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 Paula Donovan yeah. in the conversation as in the top one, two, three Irish sports people of all time? He's getting there, isn't he? Well, no, no. He's, I'm not asking you for a vague, like loose answer. Is he? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. He's so getting there. How is he not on one county's top four? I, that doesn't make any sense. I would say he is. Can, can, uh, I, can I put it to you this way? Can I put it to you? Made this up way? your mind about is, this. Christy Ring. Christy Ring is need me for this conversation. Christy Ring. Well, I'm trying to like probe beyond the nonsense, and you outsourcing a responsibility for this this crucial wow, question. Wow, 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 wow. Is Christy Ring in the conversation for Ireland's greatest sports person of all time? Um, greatest hurler of all time? No, I'm talking about Ireland's greatest. Sports you saw a lot person of them, of all did you? <laughs> That's really good. That's quality. We'll miss yeah. that, won't we? Um, Who's closest? To I, as I said at the time, two and a half years ago, when I did the Mount Rushmore, it was the second one. Did the Mount? Actually, and on that, the only two people, the only two Mount Rushmores who uh, did it, which is one person, was me and Nathan. Bravery, that is. May one Cork were first. Everybody else had a partner. That's bad, one. That's one point. That that's we one point. Yeah, I mean, with the production there, that's one point. Uh, point two was <laughs> what? What did you say to me there? just before that point it was about like how much of Christie have you actually seen you know? yeah how okay so obviously do the research we do research for every uh, every segment we do so we did the research for that collated the data and actually anecdotally spoke with Billy Buig now you won't speak ill of Billy Buig no, because you're a good friend of his Colm's dad and he is a gentleman yeah so he saw him when he was very young and he was behind the goal for one of Christy Ring's goals and he ducked I was just being the sheer ferocity of the shot I was just being facetious about Christy Ring by the way I know I, I get that oh, I do understand yeah. that you don't need to so, you don't need to so that's Christy yeah Roy is Roy and now I'm looking at the comments here give us each, each contestant's <laughs> resume like we know who they are you're just right. avoiding the question again no, this I'm is looking incredible at, no, I'm looking at the comments here so I'm saying uh, there's Andrew O'Brien kicking Roy Keane to the curb now I don't know how you would even begin to justify that. Then Mark Dunning comes in with Raj for me. But Raj, like, Raj was the probably the most stats-heavy justification. The fact that you're slipping out of screen there and slipping behind the desk and disappearing yeah, behind your laptop is very visually Well, I'm kind of looking at Jojo your, at the same your, time as well. Of your point. So, um, no, look, Paul, I love Paul O'Donovan. Oh, my God, you love him. Um, and actually, Not that much. I was listening back to that Mount Rushmore during the week in anticipation of the potential of doing this segment. And we actually did say it at the end that... Um, you, I think you said to me, Owen, does Paul need to win gold here to be considered? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And I think in the next five to ten years, I mightn't have a choice but to put Paul on. And that may, maybe that will be the case someday. But what I'm struggling with all week long is I, I really don't know who I'd knock off. To who, would you, who would you knock Paul. off? No one. No said. one. That's my point. That's exactly my point. I so couldn't. Paul really. is not in the top four Cork sports people of all time. But, 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 that's but hold on. Would you, nice. Hold on a second. He's eligible for the other 31 counties. <sighs> Listen, is there ever anything more Cork? But I have you, to say... If you were doing like an All-Ireland Mount Rushmore... He'd be obviously. in contention, yeah. But he obviously wouldn't like because you've obviously got four Cork people ahead of him. So that if I was doing it, yeah. or if one was, if one you, was, he is. You were doing like, it. If, and if, also I am. But I, I must stress that I'm a massive Paul O'Donovan fan. And I'm really struggling with this. That's why I said at the start, it's, my hands are tied here. There's only yeah. four spaces. Yeah. We have um, a great bench though, don't we? You're not even getting into a conversation about like how he might be better than other people who are on the list. You're just not entertaining it. I have a great great point here by TB in the YouTube comments. If Adrian wants to include Paul, 
why doesn't he want to include Finton? Well, like it's not. I mean, thanks for the comment there, TV. But I mean, like I listen, I doff my hat there's to. There's a difference uh, in level of success yeah, there. Yeah, and, and I also doff my hat to Nile Tool who tell you that. No, it's Paul. EH comes in. What a Sonia one. A silver medal at the Olympics. Well, Sonia was quite dominant. Actually, and speaking of the European Championships, look at her CV from the 1990s. Someone but I also think there's like old galore. So he has to be a really consistent, world champion, career. and also the sport world champion. Uh, had that record from was it 1994 to 2017 as well. Like, um, but also and, and, and also just a point, it? cross, yeah, like cross cultural figure, like incredibly influential. And look, I, maybe there is a kind of who's a good kind of comparison there, where it's not so much the CV. Maybe Paul McGrath so beloved, and he was in a Dublin Mount Rushmore, and there's absolutely no argument with that. Uh, but there, there are people with more glittering careers on the CV than Paul McGrath, but he's intangibly amazing. And that's kind of the same with Sonia in Cork. Mm. I uh, yeah. visually a second ago just realised that you're um, doppelganger for Mikel Arteta and the stuff that's coming oh. out of you know over the last sort of oh it's because I'm wearing four, the kind of grey jumper four or five minutes and has been oh, what a lazy like, absolutely worthy lazy of an all or nothing dressing room scene on it's <laughs> absolute like uh, <laughs> vague avoiding the point <laughs> like you know, giving responsibility to other people just to be clear on that I don't think we've got anywhere but that item you've well hold on I wasn't saying too with running order like let's definitely do Corkman Rushmore just saying that like you're not there was an argument you're, you're contradicting yourself and with, there's no way that we can push you into that's a position the, whole, the one thing about this segment is I've been consistent my point has been repeated three to four times do you know and there are people in the comments it getting still involved makes so no, you can repeat it a hundred times obviously it, it was no worth sense. it because there are people in the comments getting involved so no obviously sense. from a content perspective it is worthwhile Mikhail. now there's a great interview coming up here Mikael Buig, thank you for uh, coming in there. Very good. Five to nine, uh, watching out to be AM live crappy quiz on the way. Before all of that, it's part of the build-up to the Erlingus College Football Classic uh, coming to an Aviva Stadium near you very shortly. Owen spoke with the ex-NFL kicker Pat Murray. Take a look. Okay, we are delighted to be joined now by former NFL place kicker Pat Murray as he previews the Erlingus College Football Classic, which takes place in the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, the 27th of August at half past five. And it's going to see the Northwestern Wildcats go head to head with Nebraska Husters. Tickets for the match are very much on sale right now and they can be purchased at ticketmaster.ie forward slash touchdown Dublin. So that's ticketmaster.ie slash touchdown Dublin. For more information around the game, you can go to collegefootballireland.com or follow the conversation on social media using the hashtag touchdown Dublin. Pat, good to see you. How are you keeping? Yeah, not too bad. You got me up early for this one. So uh, <laughs> it's good to be it's good to be on. Uh, life has changed a little bit for you since uh, since you immediately retired from the NFL, I guess. You're not even a New Yorker anymore. No, no. Uh, with work, uh, I was moved down to Florida. Now our home base here is Manhattan, which is where I'm currently speaking to you from. So it's always nice to come back to New York. And funny enough, I actually got to train with Rockland GAA last night. So got to throw the boots back on and kick a few points over. So it's great to be back in the area. And obviously, uh, you know, I miss it up here, but it's always nice to come home. I would imagine that Florida is not a GEA stronghold compared to uh, some parts of the of New York City, right? Yeah, you know, you don't see people, um, you know, pucking a slither or kicking balls over the bar in uh, in Florida too much. It's a bit hot down there, but there is a club in Tampa Bay actually, which is where obviously I used to kick for a little while. So I try and stay as involved as possible when I can down there. Obviously, they just don't have the numbers, but it's great to come back to New York and get kicking ball back with Rockland GAA over in Orangeburg in New York. It was uh, great to be out with the lads. Was there ever any time when you thought that you could have donned the colors of New York County GAA? 
Well, funny enough, I got involved with the college team uh, last year. So I was still pursuing an MBA and that qualified me to be able to play on the college team. Now, you had lads who were doing their undergraduate degree that were playing Gaelic football, obviously all the way up through. I had to take a break to kick a football between posts for the Buccaneers and Browns. So you let the the younger lads play. And I was there probably more as the um, the older mentor, shall we say. But nice. I was training with the senior team as well when I was still living here. And uh, it was great. The lads, they put the hard work in, that's for sure. They've come close, but, you know, they just haven't done the business as of yet. When you start playing, I guess, a game like Gaelic football in the years after you retire from playing American football, what's the biggest difference in terms of how you feel? Like, does your fitness need to be at a, at a different sort of level? Is it a different type of work you're doing? Well, most of the uh, the people can't see me other than you right now, but I've probably dropped 25 pounds of muscle since I right. stopped playing in the NFL. So the biggest difference is... Yeah, like football, I'm doing a heck of a lot more running than taking three steps and booting the ball. So the fitness is what needed to change the most. And thankfully, I was able to, to transition quickly, did some more long distance running, asked some GAA players for some advice on some of their training habits and how they were able to increase their fitness, particularly what they do in the off season. And I'm fortunate that two of my cousins were... Um, in the running to play for the Louth team, Oshin actually did play for the Louth senior county team. And his father, Kieran, who was the physio for the Irish national soccer team, he gave me a few pointers as well to increase my fitness. So it's good to have a backroom team like me. <laughs> a lot of tough love coming from the family, I suspect. Well, there's always been tough love. I mean, some of the <laughs> toughest games I've ever been a part of were in their backyard playing a soccer match. I mean, they were knocked down, drag out. There was no love lost there. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, what, what would you think is the type of Gaelic footballer who would make it in the NFL or make it a college football the best? Because we were doing this thing recently. We were doing like um, with Shane Walsh and uh, and Sean O'Shea as part of the the college football that. classic. Yeah. So there, I, I, there's been a, a general curiosity, and just be, there was a separate thing we did with like the likes of Lee Chin as well recently. So mm. I think a lot of Gaelic footballers and hurlers are curious to know. How would I get on in, in American football? So so what sort of player would, would make it easiest, do you think? Well, you have to look at a guy like Aiden O'Shea, right? His size is just incredible. Looks like a tight end. He's got hands. Um, he's tough. Be hard to bring down. I won't say he's Rob Gronkowski because there's only one <laughs> Rob Gronkowski, but that type of body would be very good in an NFL setting. As far as kicking is concerned, take a look at Sean O'Shea's free. I mean, what an incredible moment. And he could potentially have the ability to to kick in the NFL. Now he's going to have to shorten up his steps and things like that and learn how to kick with a helmet on. But you never know. He could he could make a run at it. I've, I think Dean Rock could make a run at it as well. And... Uh, Hard not to mention Connor McManus as well, being a Monaghan man. He could definitely uh, make a make a challenge for a kicking position in the NFL. He certainly could. I don't think he could put much past Connor McManus. The question I had, and it's interesting that you mentioned the helmet, was that you know we, we kind of uh, align a lot of place kickers with the fact that they would be good American football kickers. But the pace at which you need to react almost to the snap, I suspect, completely transforms what is a very specific art form. Yeah, so if you take a look at uh, take a look at Sean O'Shea's free, right? He's got a decent run up to that ball, and he's got 
a decent amount of time to take a look at the posts and set himself and he goes through his routine. Kickers would do the exact same thing. However, once that ball is snapped, you have to go from snap to hold to that ball's gone off your foot in less than 1.3 seconds. Otherwise, you risk some of those incredibly fast individuals on the opposite side of the ball coming around the edge and diving and blocking that kick. So it's the speed that's really the difference, and it's the, the timing of everything. That's really what we worked on primarily Monday through Saturday is pure timing so that on Sunday we were very confident that once that ball was down and the snap came and the hold was made that I was going to get the ball off in less than 1.3 seconds. Right. Okay. And then the helmet element of things, is it hard to, uh, is, it, is it generally a situation where you kind of need to have like exceptional, I don't know, it's a peripheral vision or whatever it may be to, to try and ensure that um, you're, you're constantly stable and and you're not putting yourself under pressure too much. You kind of broke up there, but I think you're referencing the helmet and yes. you know I I can speak to potentially the the vision constraints that you may yeah. have. So it's not that big of a deal. You get used to it, quite frankly. And the the cage is big enough to where we as kickers we're not wearing a three bar. We're wearing a two bar and it kind of opens up our eyesight that much more. So seeing the ball is not really the issue. It's potentially going to be an issue trying to get your head balanced correctly. And that just comes with time. You know, you have a strong neck, you develop your traps, you'll be fine. And the the other question that I had was with regards to the psychological warfare that I guess is more prevalent in American football, obviously, with coaches trying to ice the kicker. Uh, I guess we've seen uh, Sean O'Shea and the attempts to try and ice Sean O'Shea during that semi-final when they're shaking the goalposts to yeah. try and put him off. So uh, what, what's, the, what's the closest you've ever come to, to getting properly iced or what's the, what's the worst uh, example you can, you can think of? Oh, I mean, I've been iced many times. Uh, yeah. Coaches will call timeout. As soon as I'm back in my stance, ready to kick a ball. I can remember Sean Payton doing it when he was with the Saints. Um, look, I've got a routine that I go through when I get iced. It's I go through the kick. I want my center to snap the ball so that I can get a practice shot. If you give me a practice shot, that's great. That's your fault at the end of the day because I'm going to go out there and if I don't hit it properly, I'm going to adjust slightly and then I'll make the next one. It's just just as simple as that. So kickers have developed their own practice routines to when they get iced, they step away from the ball, whether it's on the line or whether it's on the sideline or whether they go back to the net or whether they just take a drink of water and don't think about it. There are ways that we have developed the ability to kind of ice that, so to speak, out of our mind. And if you look statistically, if the coach is going to ice you, Thanks, 70 plus percent of the time, maybe even more than that, it doesn't work. So quite frankly, I think it's a waste of time. So you're not thinking to yourself, screw you, Sean Payton. You're like, I'm going to prove you wrong on the scoreboard. Now, if I think about Sean Payton during the game, then unfortunately, I I probably shouldn't be playing in the NFL because Sean (laughs) Payton shouldn't be living in my head. (laughs) What about other psychological elements that an opposition can throw at you? Well, look, some of the colorful language that's thrown across the line when I'm back there is pretty unique. And some of the fans in the NFL have come up with some pretty interesting things as well. Uh, They do their research. That's for sure. Particularly in Philadelphia. That is one place where if you are an opposing team, you will um, you'll be shocked at some of the things that they know about you and some of the things that they say. But look, 
you're a professional athlete at the end of the day. Your job is to go out there and, and whether it's to throw the ball, catch the ball or kick the ball to do your job effectively and uh, come off the field, hopefully with a win. Is any of the stuff you heard in Philly repeatable in an interview? It's not, unfortunately. Right. Wow. We can talk about that offline. Let's let's do it. Let's let's talk about it offline. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) A couple of other bits and pieces then. I mean, we're obviously going to be watching two brilliant teams at the Aviva Stadium in a few weeks in in Northwestern and Nebraska. Your own college career, though, is a really interesting one. Like I was just reading an interview you did where you made the point playing for Fordham University, you almost succeeded as a result of your team not being amazing is 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 that a fair summation of how things work for you it is uh i mean look i was a a three-time all-american i was two-time all-american punter one-time all-american kicker i set all these records my senior year as far as kicking is concerned and quite frankly it was the fact that my team was not very good when i was playing at fordham now there were some issues as far as coaching and things like that my senior year we really turned it around coach joe moorhead really turned that program around and he then brought fordham to heights it hadn't seen in a very very long time but absolutely i my job was to put our team out of danger with the punts and my other job was to put points on the board when the offense couldn't score a touchdown so the fact that they couldn't get the ball in the end zone, yes, it benefited me from the ability that I was able to kick the ball a lot more and get some more notoriety. But at the end of the day, it was a team effort. I couldn't do it without the other 10 guys on the line doing their job so that I can just go out there and kick the ball. And it's the same way I was reading prior to this a little bit about Northwestern and, and Nebraska. Funny enough, Coach Fitz at Northwestern, he's on the committee for the Fred Mitchell Award, an award that I won my senior year of college. So I've had the opportunity to sit down and chat to him quite a few times. And what an incredible individual. I mean, College Football Hall of Famer really has taken Northwestern to places that it hasn't seen probably since he was playing. And Coach Scott Frost, they're in the Big Ten. I mean, it's a really tough division. It truly is. So it's going to be an exciting game, I think, uh, on the 27th of August uh, in the Aviva. You know, I'm hoping to get over there. We'll see if I can make it happen. Absolutely. We had the opportunity to get over to Northwestern last year and, and Coach Fitz seems like an incredible man, very intelligent coach. What, 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 is, what constitutes a great coach at college level compared to, say, at NFL level? I presume they need to have a really, they have to have an improved holistic sense of their team and they have to realize, I guess, that there are players with, with greater even ambitions than winning college titles. You know, I think Northwestern in particular is a really unique situation. Yes. At the end of the day, I went into college football thinking I'd love to make this a career and go play in the NFL. And the vast majority of players understand that less than 1% of college football players are going to have a chance to play in the National Football League. But it's a dream. And as a college football coach, I think one of the unique abilities you have to have is being able to, one, manage expectations, but two, also encourage those kids to reach for the stars. And at the end, that's kind of a contradictory way of thinking. You have to prepare your kids for a Friday night game or a Saturday game, and especially playing in the Big Ten, which is arguably the second, if not the first most competitive conference in college football, while at the same time, then thinking about the next stage in their career post-student-athlete life. And now you've got the NIL thing to have to worry about as well, where some of these kids are actually earning money while playing college football, which is very new. So, I don't envy Coach Fitz and Coach Frost, really, because to be a college football coach, 
you have to be a very, very special individual because you're dealing with somebody's child from when they're 18 to 22, potentially, and you're molding them in some of their most formative years. And these two coaches have done a phenomenal job of that. When did you realize that you were going to make it into the crew that are in that under 1%? Um, probably my sophomore year, I had a pretty good idea that I could do it. And I'm sure, you know, this story has been told a lot, but my dad was my only kicking coach growing up. Um, he saw an opportunity based on where we lived at the high school that I went to Don Bosco prep in Ramsey, New Jersey. It's a national powerhouse school and coach Toll, his father's from Armagh. So he figured, you know, bring the little Irish kid in and he can kick the ball for us. Well, my dad said, okay, that seems to be a pretty good situation. And it worked out nicely. So my sophomore year of college, we were talking at the end of the season, watching the playoffs. And he turns to me and just goes, Pat, you can do this. I go, yeah, I know I can. So let's just go make a run at it. And that's when we really knuckled down. Not that we weren't knuckled down before, but hit the weight room hard, hit the conditioning hard and trained harder than I ever have before. And the next two seasons, I had some of the greatest seasons in college football history at my position. Absolutely. When you look back at your NFL career then, Pat, well, what's the main emotion that, you, that comes to mind when you think about it? First and foremost is pride. I mean, uh, getting to, to bring my mom and dad and brother along with me, my grandparents as well, those that were alive, and having them experience the life of, of an NFL player. I mean, that was exciting. I was proud to do that. There's sadness as well, because I wish it had lasted longer, but the overwhelming emotion there is just pride. I mean, do you know where Clonus is? Cause most people don't. And to have a connection to Clonus and to be able to, to go back and give back to some of the schools there when I was playing Largy college in particular, and just have people come up to you on the street and, and congratulate you and say, well done. I mean, that's, that's just pure pride at the end of the day. Yeah, I can imagine. When you talk then about the sadness that how it ended, or uh, like, is, is that because, is that because of, of coaches not willing to pay enough for a kicker? Is it because of the injuries or, or what, what's the main element for it? I look, there, there's a lot of reasons. Um, combination of, of a couple of different things. Look, tearing an ACL is never going to be an mm. easy thing to come back from. I did that, but business at the end of the day. That's what the NFL is. And I realized that and I understood that. And I understood that the NFL was not the be all and end all for me. I went to a fantastic university. I got a great degree. I finished an MBA, started it when I was playing, finished it when I stopped. So I always knew there was a life for me after football and getting called an NFL player was fantastic. It's an amazing time in my life, but the best title I've ever received is husband and dad. And that's where I'm at now. And I'm really enjoying it. And proud Monaghan man second, I presume. I'm proud Monaghan man second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Monaghan for Sam. Have to throw that in there. <laughs> Hopefully next year. Yeah. Do, do you get back over much to, to see much of Monaghan play or, or any GA for that matter? Yeah. So in 2019, we were over. In 2020, I was over with the college team. Uh, we watched Monaghan beat Dublin up in Clonus, actually. That was the last Monaghan-Dublin match that I watched. So that was fantastic. Um, I was over a couple of months ago. We brought my daughter over for the first time, and we surprised my cousin, who's actually uh, due with a baby here in the next couple of weeks. And we hadn't seen them since early 2020. So it was very exciting to get back over there. And look, much like every 
Irish person, you're wanting to get back home and see your family after the two years that we've had. So uh, I can't wait to go back. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully we'll see you over here as well in just a few weeks time for uh, that big game between uh, Nebraska and Northwestern. Uh, Pat, it's been brilliant chatting to you. Just uh, a reminder to everybody listening, you've been listening to former NFL place kicker Pat Murray. He's been looking ahead to the Erlingus College Football Classic. Uh, It's taking place at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, the 27th of August at half past five. And as I say, it's the Wildcats and the Northwestern Wildcats going up against the Nebraska Huskers. Tickets for the match are on sale now and you can purchase them at ticketmaster.ie forward slash touchdown Dublin. And for more information around the game, you can go to collegefootballireland.com or follow the conversation on social media using the hashtag TouchdownDublin. Pat Murray, thanks a million. Thanks for having me. Great to chat. Chris Martin. Oh, you're kidding me. September. Kyle Lafferty. Are you joking me? Is that right? I know. Is that right? Uh, Anybody else? Like, that is one of the most stupid questions. Darius Vassell? Seriously, you only need to just stay quiet. This is getting really annoying doing this quiz. What is going on here? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome along to the Shoutia segment on Irish Radio. It's a scintillating, it's the stupefying, it's a splendido crappy quiz. And I can only apologise for me being here and that Owen isn't. And you better get used to it. That's all I'm saying. Every Friday we pit three, as you know by now, three of Off The Ball uh, team up against each other in our no-holds-barred quiz of sporting factoids at the end of the week. And allow me to welcome today's contestants. Our first contestant is the Robbie Lyle of new YouTube channel AVTV. His kids are not going to eat for a week because Villa won last weekend. But trust DVG, as you can see... uh, in the bottom right to screw things up and pay for the family holiday to Dubai it's almost like we planned it with those sweet sweet clicks give it up for APM angry producer Mick CVG how you doing Adrian how are you getting on I thought one substitute uh, you know uh, suggested we should have another one and uh, this yeah. is my official apology to Mr Stephen Gerrard for my uh, diatribe uh, unfounded unwarranted uh, unnecessary and ultimately incorrect diatribe about the Premier League's greatest manager. We can see your silhouette um, moving there in the background, but I mean, I'm happy for you to leave Stevie G up for the duration, Mick. That'd be entirely up to yourself. Well, until I start having to write um, Fair in the later rounds, maybe I'll keep it beside me. Our next contestant has had a planet in the Andromeda Galaxy named after him last after last week's quiz success. He may be the only person on Earth that knows that uh, this planet even exists, but still, put that in your pipe and smoke it, Tommy Bow. It's the Monaghan Machete. It's Shane Annan. Good morning, lads. To Monaghan and beyond, as Buzz Lightyear famously once said. <laughs> All good, Monaghan? Keeping well. I, I know you had Pat Murray on just before. I knew you were going to mention that. Of, yeah, come on. Yeah, a little bit of Monaghan content this morning. Hard to beat. Our final contestant is the biggie to Phil Egan's two-pack. The Conte to his Tuchel. He only agreed to come on this morning and the proviso that the Burley Kilmacud bully didn't show up. Give it up for Arthur OPHD. Morning. Hi, Arthur. How are you getting on? Flying. that is that is the greatest window into uh, an Arthur O'Dea response that you're ever going to get uh, as ever, as you'll be familiar with the format, it's a classic crappy quiz with a series of questions and a range of themes, and then it's on to the slip and slide of trivia, the rapid fire round. The podcast uh, of the crappy quiz is on otbsports.com. It's also on the OTB Sports app, and if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to click the thumbs up, even if we contribute absolutely nothing but misery to your day. 
Uh, please send any questions, by the way, uh, into us if you have. Uh, uh, get a postcard and send them in. <laughs> Grab your quiz, Quizmaster off the ball towers, uh, Marconi House, Diggs Lane, Dublin 2. Uh, apologies for my inability to read off exactly what it says here in front of me in the script, but also a big shout out to Keen Johnson of Offaly Football fame, who's running the OTB TikTok at the minute uh, with great aplomb, and he's basically written all of this week's quiz. So uh, thanks to Keen for that. Right, we're going to get straight into it, lads. Are you ready? Good to go. The boring questions round round one, never multiple choice. Question one for you, uh, Stevie G. Can you name the last men's Meath footballer to win an All-Star? Just me here. Uh, Stevie's gone. Okay. Off the training. Uh, Stephen Bray. That is correct. Question one for you, Shane. Only one Australian golfer has ever won the US Masters. Who was it? Mm. Australian golfer US Masters he said Adam Scott there as I talked over him good man Shane one point to you I question one for you Arthur who's the youngest player ever to score a Champions League goal I was about to start giving out about the fairness of the uh, questions here well, I'm probably not in a position to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Adrian, play both roles, please. <laughs> yeah. I miss your curmudgeonly uh, 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 impact on the quiz. Give me time. Good grief. Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to say Wayne Rooney. Ansu Fati. That was, I mean... I think we all. I think we all know the. Uh, that was that was a toughie, Arthur. Uh, round two. Let's get on with it into the uh, Wikipedia list round. This game is simple. It says here in front of me. I will list from Wikipedia in order from first to last the clubs that a footballer has played for, and all you have to do is guess the footballer in question, and the first person to do so will win the point. Nice and simple. There is one uh, major rule, though, to avoid the complete carnage of uh, guessing free for all here. Uh, each contestant will state their own name before guessing a player. Of course, this is the crappy quiz. So your names are your crappy quiz nickname. We have APM, we have OPHD, and we have the Monaghan Machete. So if that's clear, uh, we will crack on with it here. And failure to do that, by the way, will eliminate the contestant from that particular round of the quiz. So you're going to get one guess uh, per club named, which initially was very confusing, but I hope everybody now understands. And if you're all ready, I will take your silence as a yes, and I will crack on with question two for whoever shouts their nickname first. This first player started their senior professional career with Marsala. He then moved to Monza. He then moved to Nice. He then moved to Monaco. APM. APM. Mbappe. Incorrect. He then moved to Manchester United. Monaghan Machete. Machete. Patrice Evra. Correct. I forgot my nickname there for a second, and I was like, oh, is this going to be <laughs> I, thought, I was wondering why you were thinking, Richard, and thinking about it. Um, okay, I don't, is that one point for Shane? Is that how that works? Yeah, okay, very good. Um, I don't know how we're going to keep score here. We'll figure it out as we go. Question two for whoever shouts their name first. This second player started their senior professional career with Watford. APM. APM. Ashley Young. Correct. Good shout. What? No one's ever got it on the first club before. (laughs) (laughs) Question two for whoever shouts their nickname first. This player first uh, started their senior uh, professional career with Auxerre. Monon Machete. Machete. 
Eric Cantona. Incorrect. He then moved to Liverpool. PhD. PhD. Jibril Sisse. Mm. Correct. Trying to remember his name. So that uh, means that you each get one point from that round. Well done. Great success for everybody. And after round two, it means that uh, Mick and Shane are tied with two points apiece and OPHD uh, is on one point. As we... Huh? That's Colm as that as well. Fantastic. We're all on the same sheet. Amazing. Round three is, as ever, the uh, past the parcel of doom round. And in this round, all you've got to do is give me a name that is on a list of names that I have here in front of me. And the parcel of doom passes on to the next contestant who then also has to give me a name. And we're going to keep moving through the list until one of you gives me an incorrect answer or fails to answer, at which point that person will be eliminated. And on we go. When two players are eliminated, the remaining player gains a point. All clear, all happy, amazing. Um, question three, and we're going to start with you here, Mick. And, uh, Adrian, I mean, I'm enjoying your audition for taking this role <laughs> on on a full-time basis. I'm figuring it out as we go, Mick. I'm figuring it out as we go. It says here, question three for Mick, and let's just say after that we'll go to Shane, and then we'll go to uh, PhD, and then we'll sort of move around after that. That all makes a bit of sense. So, uh, can you name a player who has scored over 120 Premier League goals? Mick. Wayne Rooney. Is this in? It's in order. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alan Shearer. Yeah. Andy Cole. <laughs> it says there in front right. of me. No, no, absolutely. It says it in front of me. Ashley Cole. So we'll just assume that you're right there, PhD, and we'll move back to Mick. <laughs> uh, Aguero. Correct. Shane. Um. Frank Lampard correct Arthur uh, Thierry Henry correct Mick Harry Kane yes Ruud van Nistelrooy no Mick is in ahead of me there uh, and uh, yeah, that is a no so you are out Shane over to you PhD uh, we've got one two three Drogba Oh, good show. Wrong. Drogba is not on the list in front of me. Is as uh, is as much as I can say about that, Arthur. Um, bum, 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 bum. Let me just double check that to make absolutely certain he is not on the list in front of me. So the point there uh, goes to APM. Robbie the, Fowler. Uh, Fowler was on. Could you have gone much more? I would have given it a go. Jamie Vardy. Yeah. Look, I'm showing off now. Look at this. Van Persie. Yeah. Ian Wright. No. Okay. Well, I would have went. Anelka, Defoe, Les Ferdinand, Jimmy Floyd, Robbie Keane. Of course. God, uh, I knew Robbie was over 100. I didn't realise he was over 100. Lukaku, Owen, Salah, Sheringham and York. Right, so that I think is one point for you, Mick. Is that right? <laughs> I think was that right, yeah. We'll go we'll work on that basis. Right, question uh, three, which is starting with Shane, and then we'll say moves on to uh, PhD, and then on to APM after that. This one, uh, starting with you, Shane, is can you name a player in the top twenty all-time scorers in the All Ireland Senior Football Championship? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Right. Um. Conor McManus I knew you were going to start with that one and the answer is correct Um, uh, Dean Rock bloody hell Arthur correct 
Nick? Yeah. Killian O'Connor. Correct. Shane, back to you. Uh, Porrick Joyce. Yep. Wow. Colin Cooper. Yep. Arthur jumped into the enemy twice here. Uh, okay. Fifteen more names on the that list. That music is really loud today. Uh, <laughs> Wrap it up a bit there, Jojo. Pile the pressure on them. Um, they are Peter the words of a man under pressure. But he's pulled it out of the fire, yeah. Shane. Um. Trevor Giles. No. Shake of the head doesn't fill no. the confidence. You're out, Shane. You are out. PhD, back to you. Michael Murphy. Yeah. Bernard Brogan. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, James O'Donoghue. No. No, no, no. James Dunn is not in the 20 uh, all time scorers in the Island Senior Football Championship of all time. That's survival. Um, <laughs> Paddy Bradley, Sean Cavanagh, Johnny Doyle, Morris, Jimmy Keevney, Oshin McConville, Stephen McDonnell, Tony McTague, Ross Munley, Barney Rock. I thought somebody get Barney when Arthur oh, went yeah. with Dean. Mikey Sheehy and Brian Stafford. The last you man. See, you, can't, you can't trust anything pre qualifiers because they only played like three games a year. So that was a point for PhD. One point for... P- no. No, sorry, a point for Mick, was it? How dare you. How yeah. dare you. How dare you. <laughs> I forgot what literally just happened 30 seconds ago. So two points so far from uh, for Mick in this round as we move on to question three, which is going to start with you, Arthur, and then move on to Mick, and then end up with you, Shane, if I'm absolutely right with what's happening here. I'm sure who the hell knows. This one is, uh, can you name a winner of the RTE Sports per- Person of the Year Award this century? We had this last week. RT Sports Person of the Year Award this, <laughs> this century. This now, was literally last week's quiz. Huh? This was last week's. Rings the bell me as well, Mick. Are, are you saying these are an, an actual repeat of last year's question? Uh, last week's question. Last week's. Yeah. Quest, actual questions. Actual. No, 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 no. Just week. this one. Just this one. So just the, this, the, just these. This. I. I think. Like. I'm not sure the. Um, it's word for word the same as last week. I'm not sure that the question. responses here. I I'm going to give an extra little bit of information on this. This is the um, international sports person of the year. It's not the oh, okay. Irish sports person of the year. This is the international oh, even sports easier. person of the year. Um, I mean, <laughs> hang on a second. Sorry, 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 sorry. Hang on a second here. Hang on a second here. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely this love is, it. We're uh, this question does not reflect the answers. And it's definitely not the question that relates to these answers. <laughs> and, uh, Get on on the phone, quick. Other than, uh, I've absolutely no idea what the question is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something to do with golf. <laughs> so what I'm going to do there is take the executive decision, as I've been absolutely lumped in the hot stuff here. I'm just going to scrap that question. It is gone. That round is going to result in two points for Mick, which brings him to four. Shane stays on two, and PhD stays on one. And it's with apologies, lads, because, you know... um, 
But yeah, this I'm is null and void. Not a clue. Uh, <laughs> you can make that case at the end, Arthur. I'm uh, I'm certainly up for that. I'm sort of also still in the meantime waiting to see if somebody's going to give me what the actual question is. They're not, so I'm going to crack on to the next round. <laughs> what a farce! <laughs> That's the crappiest crappy quiz. I, I was looking at some of the names, going, "Wow, there's a lot of golf names on this list." Well, and um, yeah, um, Willie Anderson was making this. <laughs> round four <laughs> this one is the short numbers round that you're uh, all very familiar with another new and innovative idea from producer Cullum uh, it says in my script here and he wants me in this round to give the number of a specific shirt in football and would like me like you to tell me who wore the shirt that's not what the questions that's, that's exactly the opposite of what's written down in terms of the questions so scrap what I just said there I want you I'm going to give you the, no, the name of a footballer the club that that footballer was at, and I, or sports person, and I want you to tell me what shirt, what <laughs> ah, shirt geez. number, what shirt number they, they wore. Oh, I do appreciate now why some of the calamities, uh, why some of the calamities back. arise in this quiz. Seriously, not all, how, not how all. much can we pay him? How not, much can we pay him? To stay in not, year? No, no, there isn't any amount of money. Uh, uh, there, I do understand why some of the calamities arise now. Not all Owen's doing. I'm going to give you a sports person. I'm going to give you the club they were playing for, and you're going to give me the shirt number. Or are you going to take a guess at it? All clear? All happy? Fair. Question four for you, Mick. Can you tell me the number Ronaldinho wore for AC Milan? 30. No, that is incorrect. The answer is Aiden. So you stay on four points. Mick, question Sorry, four. Sorry, what? The answer is Aiden. 80. Is there somebody going to do a quick Google? I mean, I, I do, I do <laughs> understand why you might question the uh, validity of the questions and answers here, Mick. Um, I, I actually thought you said Aiden, uh, which wouldn't have made much sense at all. Huh? 80? Aiden. Oh, sorry. Uh, question four for you, Shane. Can you tell me the number Scotty Pippen wore for the Chicago Bulls? Trying to bring my last dance knowledge back in here. Um Scotty Pippen. His Rebel Tour is never going to last. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty Pippen, I'm going to go number three. Number 33. Ah. You stay on two points, Shane. Number uh, question four for you, Arthur. Can you tell me the number that Wes Hoolan wore at Euro 2016? Ten. Chance to get back in it. Ten, your final answer. What'd you say, Mick? Fourteen. Twenty. Yeah, fourteen, just like I said. (laughs) (laughs) So, after that, none of you get any points. Mick, four, Shane, two, Arthur, one. Round five, the fun-free magic number round. Contestants get three points for getting the number exactly right. If no one manages that, the nearest contestant who doesn't go bust gets two points. The second closest will get one point, and on we go. And again, I'm going to state that we can only accept the answers that I'm assuming is written on your piece of paper. So, actually, you might write it down and hold it up to the screen when we're done, because I don't trust any of you. Uh, And I'm also going to have to ask for your pens once the music ends. So, if you don't mind, give us the following number. The number of All-Stars won by Joe Canning plus the number of goals Shane Long has scored for Ireland plus the number of Super Bowl rings Tom Brady has won plus the number of tries Tommy Bow has scored for Ireland. Your 30 seconds will expire when Sinatra sings bright shiny beads. So it's Joe Canning All-Stars Shane Long Ireland goals Tom Brady Super Bowl rings and Tommy Bow tries for Ireland. 
PhD is uh, making a lot of gestures to suggest he's done. Okay, pens down. Uh, Mick, hold up what you have. Well, I sure, what's the point of telling you what I have? 57. 57. I can't see it anyway. PhD, what have you got? 48. 48. And Shane? I've gone 43. 43. So Mick is... None of you are bust. Mick is the closest. So Mick gets how many points? Uh, no. Two points for you, Mick. So you've already gone into, uh, I mean, an almost unassailable... Uh, it's all leader. over, Mick. It's all over. Uh, the correct answer was, in fact, 59. Oh! Joe Canning, All-Stars. I had 59, and I always take away two when yeah. it's my number. Because, you should have stuck well, with it, Mick. You should stick with yeah. it. Joe Canning, All-Stars. Five. Yeah. Uh, Shane Long, Goals. I put 16. Don't know. 13, no. 17. Uh, <sighs> Super Bowl rings for Tom Brady. Seven. Yeah, he, he knew that one. And Tommy Bow tries. Must be 30, because I had 31. 30. So that's it. That is uh, the uh, first most of the quiz done and it means that heading into the final round Mick leads the way on six points, Shane on two points and Arthur on one point. So our winner tonight is going to be decided in the no theme in particular ridiculously easy rapid fire round and the score you get in this round is going to be added to those scores uh, that I've just mentioned. Now there'll be 40 seconds for everyone to answer from the same set of questions. We're going to start with the person with the highest number of points, Mick, on to the person with the second number which is Shane and then on to you PhD and if you get a question correct I'll ask you another and keep asking until you get one wrong once you get one wrong I'll move on to the next person and your incorrect answer also means the deduction of one point and I'll also add in there that if there's much of a break I'm going to just crack on uh, to the next person so everybody happy with that Mick Shane Arthur in that order right your 40 seconds starts now Mick Alexis Sanchez now plays for which club Inter I don't know no uh, Shane um, name the USA soccer legend now playing for Shelburne Heather Williams. In what position oh, did Israel no, that's, no. that's Heather O'Reilly. Uh, Arthur. In what position did Israel Alatunde finish in the one, uh, European 100 metres final this week? Sixth. Uh, correct. Name the Ireland uh, women's rugby head coach. Greg McWilliams. Who hosted the last FIFA women's rugby uh, FIFA women's World Cup? Football or rugby? Football. US, USA. Incorrect. Uh, in what position Mick did uh, Rashid Adelike finish uh, in the European 400 metres final this week? What? Fifth. Fifth, and I'm going to give you one more. I think you've won it anyway, either way. Um, uh, why? What is, because I messed up. What is Desi Farrell's... Uh, you've won it anyway. What is Desi Farrell's club? You know it. Lafina. So, uh, by my reckoning there, uh, Arthur got a point and then lost it. Shane had some points taken away. Arthur Mick got, got two, a couple I think, correct. Yeah. I don't know you what the two. scores were. But, well, you, uh, Jesus. Happily, happily, <laughs> happily. Uh, there's, there's no dispute about the, the outcome Alexis Sanchez plays for Marseille Heather O'Reilly and apologies I jumped in when I heard the word Heather I'm giving you the point that was absolutely right to call that out uh, Olatunde 6th correct Greg McWilliams uh, Arthur correct uh, France hosts the last FIFA women's I don't know why I threw the word rugby in there it was a bit odd um, <laughs> but you understood it was, yeah, no, it was a bit odd <laughs> and uh, Adelecki 5th and Afina Desi Farrell so that's it Everybody oh, happy with God. the outcome, Stevie G? Well, this is everybody's happy with the outcome. Well, yeah, at least so it's, I suppose everybody's happy one. with the process of how we got to the outcome. Is that a fair, it's, fair question? This won't last. Over the line this there. is dead. Arthur's not. Arthur's not happy. <laughs> we'll get Jared to present it next time. <laughs> exactly. Don't do one more. Uh, he probably, by the looks of our poll this morning, Mickey's going to be a contestant in the first final yes. show next week. Oh, that's a good idea. Fantastic. Okay. 
Well done. Done Stevie next week or not? I Stevie every week, yeah. I'm going to bring him into the office. He needs to take, he's got a bit of a sheen off his head is the only thing there. Right, good on you. Well done, Mick. Good luck. Bye, Mick. Well done. The best thing I can say about the quiz is it's finished. And uh, to be back again next week. Right, OTVM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. It's 20 to 10 this morning. We're back on Monday morning from half past seven. Dan MacDonald is going to be live in studio alongside Gerrard's Manchester United entertain Liverpool, obviously, that evening in what will not be a tense Old Trafford uh, uh, come Monday evening. We're going to be joined on Monday show as well by the Anfield Raps, Harriet Pryor, Samuel Lockhurst of the Manchester Evening News ahead of kickoff there as well. And we're also going to have the Gillette Labs performance rankings and uh, much more besides as well. OTB. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.